on episode 79 of Pixel Gaiden. The guys make friends with a fisherman? There's a whole lot of unboxing going on. The guys do well in a game show. Cody talks easy retro repair. We revisit six good Atari 8-bit games. Cody receives something so good, it's bad. We discuss DLC. A ton of new pickups. And a few things from the Far East. Mr. Eric Nelson. Mr. Cody Hoffman, how are you doing? The winter is winding down. The winter is winding down, and uh, last time we recorded, Eric, it was Mario Day. Yeah. And this episode's releasing on the 30th, so I guess it's Mar-3-O Day? <laughs> Mar-3-O. Hmm? Another yeah. holiday? Another another Nintendo-based uh, coin c- cab crash grab? Can't talk. <laughs> I think Yes. Um. Hello, we're everybody. Bringing, we're bringing the gluten strong this episode. Oh, we're we're gonna make sure our beer has gluten in it. Uh, <laughs> it's this gluten full. It's gluten full. It's very gluten full. Uh, really quick, just want to mention, and we didn't do this last episode. Make sure everyone knows we are part of the Amigos uh, Retro Video Game Network, including shows such as Amigos Everything Amiga, which just did episode three thirty four on KGB the game. ARG Presents, which just did games featuring bands such as Blues Brothers on the CPC and the Wu-Tang Shaolin style game on the PlayStation. Wu-Tang Forever. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Rob Flack O'Hara just did an episode of Sprite Castle, episode 72 on the game The Pawn. I did listen to that one as well. Uh, A lot of history in that one. Very interesting. Yep. Uh, R. Sinclair, episode 81 on Deus Ex Machina, which I hopefully I said that correctly. I said it just the way Boat said it, I think. Yeah. Uh, the Coco Show, episode 29 already on Draconian, killer game, Bostonian clone. Game. Great one. And the last one I'm going to mention, but not least, the Atari ST Show, episode 2 on Super Sprint, since we last talked. So check those shows out. Yeah, and I think they're up to episode 3, and it was a what was it about? It was about... I don't remember. Hard-hitting well, news from Eric Nelson. <laughs> exactly. Riveting news, right? Wait a minute. I'm going to... Uh, you, you just keep talking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out real quick because I got it in my pod catcher. I got right in front of me here. There you go. It there you is... Go. Um, dun, by the way, dun, the dun, Last Amigos dun, one was on dun, Speedball dun, 2, which was a really good episode. I, oh, I thought that it was Super Sprint. I just, oh, da, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So gotcha. They, they covered Crystal Castles, episode three of the Atari okay. ST show. Crystal I'm, Castles. That must yeah, have just came one. out then. Okay, cool. Because I didn't know the dude's name was Bentley Bear in there. So I found out. I learned something. Bentley learned something Bear. There. Bentley Bear. In my head, all bears talk like this. <laughs> um, on this episode of Pixel Guide N, which is what you came to listen to, uh, full of retro video game and retro-inspired video game information and fun and festivity uh we 
Eric and I are going to go ahead and do some quick questions here in just a few minutes. Uh, of course, Tim Drew will then be joining us. We'll see if Tim has a, a game show. At this point, I don't recall if he if he is, has prepared one or not. So I guess I'll be surprised on that one. Um, Cody's Corner, I'm going to be talking a bit about um, be, a, kind of a beginner's list of projects I think you should do if you're getting into uh, learning how to solder and repair or fix up some of your video game consoles. I think a lot of people uh, are shy away from doing that, but there's a lot of very easy projects that are very helpful to the to you as a collector. Um, so please check that out. Please absolutely do that. And then, uh, of course, we are going to catch up. And when we catch up with Tim Drew, um, we've got a plethora of things to open, <laughs> which some people really enjoy that, apparently. So, I, I mean, I guess I get it. Um, some gifts that we got each other. Uh, I got some new acquirements. Uh, we've got something, actually, that our buddy Frank from Retro Rewind sent us. I honestly have no idea what it is yet. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, then, last but not least, we are doing Six Good Games, Atari 800 Edition number two. Again, I don't remember if you remember that, Eric, but we've done an Atari 800 one before. Yep. Uh, we did, we're doing it again and picking new games this time, so... It was only a matter of time before we would be repeating stuff, but repeating is okay as long as we don't do the same games. Yeah, and I think you, you and I probably both realized it when we were look, playing games and we were like, wait a minute, I know I selected this already. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's when I'm like, no, we've done this. We've done Atari 800 already, but <laughs> it was nice to dig back into it and get it out and put it through its paces. So, um, Sweet. I'm excited. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a packed show, so I think we'll try to be brisk and move along swiftly. Yeah, and we got a lot to shove into this game, in, in this game, this episode. We got a lot of a lot of things to cover. Uh, so, what do you think we should do quickly then, Eric? Quick questions, very quick. Quick questions. All right. So, the first quick question we are going to cover is my own, Eric. So. I yeah. wanted to ask, do you typically buy DLC for games, complete collections with all DLC? Uh, how much DLC that you have purchased has gone completely unused? The, mid- the, the middle one's kind of a weird question, but yeah, basically, like, when I go online and see, um, you know, you can get this game on sale right now for six ninety nine, but you can get the mm-hmm. complete edition with all the DLC for nine ninety nine. Do you, Do you jump for that, or do you buy the base game? So that's Hello. what's interesting. Do you typically buy... I'm going to take this one at a time. Do you yep. typically buy DLC for games? No, I don't. Because I have a hard time even completing standard games before the, the add-on at the end. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been exceptions to that. Um, but generally, I don't. Complete collections with all DLC, yes. Because the cool thing is, like you, and you'll appreciate this, when you buy a game years after it came out they usually have a game of the year edition or something like that which includes all the dlc and i've bought many 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 games like that because it's such a great deal but i very rarely actually get to the point where you have the get to the dlc portion of it yeah (laughs) i know that i have but I, i i can't recall any off the top of my head skyrim is a perfect one like i by the time i bought it on xbox one it included all the dlc and um and I, I don't even think I got to the point where I used any of the DLC that came with it. But why not? It was like 20 bucks or something. 
Um, and then how much DLC that you have purchased has gone completely unused? Almost all of it. I guarantee it. <laughs> Almost all of it. So, so I think we're, we're very similar here. So do I typically buy, buy DLC? I never buy it up front. Correct. Me um, and therefore, I almost never buy it. There's a very few, there's few games like Cuphead. When that DLC yeah. comes out, um, yeah. I'm buying it right away, full price. Yeah, I don't A1. care. Yeah. Uh, but that's very rare that I've I've probably done that three or four times. Now, um, if you want to call like the table packs for the pinball games we've been playing, I buy yeah. all that. All those I want all those tables. Yeah, me too. So I do do that. So. If you call that DLC, uh, complete yeah. collections. Obviously, if it's a, a bundle, you know you can get everything in, in a, you know physical for 19.99 or whatever at the store absolutely typically though when you see them in on the eShop and stuff like i said it'll be 6.99 for the base game and then if you want it with the dlc it's 9.99 i yeah. save my three bucks because i know i'm not gonna chances are i'm not gonna complete that entire first game unless i absolutely love it and if i do at that point i'm usually like the last 20 percent of the game i was just kind of like grinding my way to the end of the game and I rarely go, great, I need more of that right now. I usually go, great, I finished the game. Let's go try another game now. New exactly. game. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's that's the way I feel too. And it or I, I know I'm just never gonna beat the game, so why buy the DLC? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And then yeah, how much DLC have I have I purchased that has gone completely unused? I mean I would uh, the answer would be none of it that I purchased on purpose unless it just happened to come in a game of the year pack or something that I didn't specifically try to buy the DLC. So right, um, we got one here from uh, a listener, right, Eric? Yep. So I'll read this to you, and then uh, you answer first. Here, have you ever bought a game that was so bad, and I've bought those, you took it back to the store and exchanged it for something else? And this came from Pajaco sixty five zero two. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, and he, uh, I have to mention he is a Patreon subscriber. Um, thank you for that, Pajago. Yes. So I, it never dawned on me as a kid to like take things back. So I bought some games that are so bad. I, if I had known that I could take them back, I probably would have. Um, so my answer is no. I will mention that I had a friend, and this one's classic. I think about it all the time. Uh, so at this point, we're like sixth grade, maybe going into middle school. And, um, you know, the PlayStation was had just come out. And it was all a rage. And um, my buddy, I guess his mom was going to splurge on something. There was a special event, whatever. And I was so excited because I had heard he had told me at school or something. He's like, dude, my mom today is going to go get me an Atari Jaguar. Wow. Believe it or not, someone went out to buy the Atari Jaguar. Um, <laughs> and awesome. I remember I remember being so excited to like, get to his house probably like the next weekend or whatever. Uh, I ended up going to his house, I think on Saturday, something to that effect. And I'm like, dude, where's the Jaguar? He's like, oh, I, we returned it. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, seriously? How is it bad? Like, it looks so cool. And he's like, the games were terrible. I don't know. He's like, it, it made a lot of noise. It, it, it didn't. <laughs> the controller was. I think you mentioned the controller weird, was like weird. Cat sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, I was so bummed out. I, I remember he had uh, he had one game that was decent, and this is just purely from me him telling me. I never actually saw the a Jaguar in person at all, really, oh, until I got mine. 
Um, uh, he had like he got like three games with it, and one of them was okay, but it was just a two D game, which of course he was hoping for three D stuff, and everything else was awful. Um, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Uh, Rayman, Rayman was okay. the one well, the one good yeah. game he said, but yeah. I mean, we had played, oh, gone to his house all the time to play Super Nintendo and, like, Killer Instinct and stuff, so the Rayman game didn't look that much different than anything we could play on Super Nintendo. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what I get. That's what I'm going to put down here, but, uh, know who else throws it down? Frank over there at RetroRewind.ca. You're not going to let me answer that question? Oh. Come on, son. <laughs> I had a good uh, I had a good segue lined up. You did have a good segue. I Eric, blew it. Have you ever bought a game that was so bad that you took it back to the store? So I tried, um, but back in the day, especially with Commodore sixty four, if you bought a disc game, no store around here would allow you to exchange it or return it mm-hmm. at all. In fact, if it if if the disc didn't work, they wouldn't even believe you because you know they yeah. figured you you did it you formatted the disc or something and then they told you to contact the manufacturer. So no, it was very well known back in the day not to do that. Now I do remember buying um, after I bought Gunship and loved it. I, I was I, from that point on I was a gun I was a helicopter simulator guy like that was me I was the I was the guy and I remember buying Super Huey at the flea market. And you can't take stuff back at the flea market. They they'll murder you. You can't do that. <laughs> was they it Denios? Yeah, exactly. Denios Farmers Market. An auction. An auction. Yep. <laughs> but they're just a flea market. But yeah, you don't mess with them. You don't take anything back. But I do remember I got a game at um, a helicopter game at Toys R Us once, and it was so bad. I don't remember what it was by Cosmos or something. Cosmo was the manufacturer, but I don't remember the name of the helicopter thing. But I remember trying to take it back and they said no. And then another game I got was B1 Nuclear Bomber. So that sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah, it, it does. It was all text-based. <laughs> it was a text No. It was a text-based simulator and uh I wanted to take that back, but at that point I knew that Toys R Us did not take returns. So like you're just screwed. You buy it and you're 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 done. You, you you got to make the best of it. Yeah. See, why did software companies even want to make good software when they can just put whatever in a box and you're going to buy it? Yeah, that's right. You just oh, need yeah. to pay pay extra for the cover art. <laughs> but know who doesn't pay extra for the cover art? Frank at RetroRewind.ca. Tell me about Frank because this is going to be a good story. Is it going to be a good story? Well, I was just going to talk about all the amazing things for sale over there at RetroRewind.ca, where you should go and spend some of your hard-earned cash. That's right. If you have any uh, computer that says Commodore on it, including the 64, the 128, the 16, the plus 4, Eric, Mm -hmm. uh, or even anything that says Amiga on it, uh, you need to go down to RetroRewind.ca and pick up some goodies for your Commodore or... If you have anything on it that says Tandy or Radio Shack Color Computer, he has a whole line of Tandy Coco stuff now as well. In fact, uh, it says 13. There's 13 Tandy Coco items for the Color Computer. That's what a that's that a that's a large number of Coco items. You want me to show exactly. all Tandy Coco, Eric? Yeah, let me take a look. Let me take a quick look at that. A gander is what we like to call it. Yep, a recap service for Coco Ones now, which Coco Ones are. I had one of those in my very first computer lab in junior high school. That's the sweet, the gray have, looking one. They have the silver. It's like the silver case with the little chiclet keys. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at that. The SDC, the Coco SDC. 
And he even offers the Hitachi 6309 CPU install. So if you want to upgrade your CPU for the Coco, guess what? Frank's got you covered. You can either buy the CPU for 18 bucks or just don't, don't even do that. Send it to him. Let him do that. Let him take the heat on that. Take the heat. <laughs> exactly. Let him install that for you. 48 bucks. That's a deal. And it doesn't, it's not even 48 bucks. You know why, Cody? Why not, Eric? I don't oh, understand. You know why? No, I could, could not possibly fathom what could make this any cheaper. Pop in the code PG10 and you will get 10% off. Not 8%, not 7 it's 10%. Hold on, let me try that. <laughs> it worked, Eric. It does That's work. That's amazing. It just took $1.80 off my order. Cody um, with the quick math. <laughs> no, it did it. It actually did it. You don't trust me? Uh, <laughs> and... Um, all kinds of cool Commodore stuff. Again, if you have an Amiga and you want to put a, a compact flash card in your Amiga so you have a hard drive, if you got uh, something weird like a 16 or plus 4, we got options for you here. Um, and even to make things that much uh, more enticing for you, from March 2nd through March 18th, which is in the past at this point, yeah. uh, Frank, you gave, <laughs> gave, Frank he gave 10% of all sales uh, to the Red Cross and UNHRC to help the refugees fleeing the violence in the Ukraine, and uh, that's that's the second charitable thing he's done since uh, we've been uh, able to, lucky enough to have him as a show sponsor. So, good dude. Uh, yep. Let's go ahead and make sure to send some love his way so you get some love back in your mailbox. And one more time, RetroRewind.ca slash PixelGuiden. And if you put in the PG10 code, you will get 10% off. Perfect. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com you can also listen to our show on the amigos retro gaming network at anchor.fm forward slash amigos podcast you can reach us on twitter using at pixel underscore guiden you can reach eric at the project that's at d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t and you can reach cody at oddball which is at oddba1149 you can also reach me that's tim at sanxion and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n please review us on itunes or apple podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use it really helps us out you can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong, and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Gaiden using our random adjective generator. And this month on Pixel Gaiden, we're getting a little bluesy. Well, there's a pushy death to know. 
The fresh Matthew Ackerman, yeah Unruly Daniel James The vulgar Eric Sandgren The therapeutic David Vincent And the tasteful 10-minute meager retrocast The clever Roy Fielding The deadpan Mr. Toast Aerobatic Marche Sosnowski And the soupy Paradroid There's the chivalrous Ram okay, Ram okay, And the sassy Mitsuyama Yeah We got the pig for Garden Blues We got the pig for Garden Blues You're stuck on that final box now Everybody and welcome to Cody's Corner for this fine month of, let's see, January, February, March. That's right, it's March. Um, I was thinking a bit about getting my uh, soldering skills back out and doing a few projects that I've been thinking about doing for a while now that my uh, new kind of soldering station work area is settled in the new place. I really haven't used it outside of um, one kind of fix so far, and it got me thinking... Um, there's a, probably a large number of people on the show that listen to the show uh, that are intimidated by soldering, or maybe they have a, a lot of projects laying around, things that they don't want to throw away, or things that they hope to one day get fixed somehow, but never got around to doing it, or, or, or you know, intimidated by doing it. And um, 
And we also have a few people that I know on the show that are, you know, expert solderers that I would send stuff to and, and they would do amazing things. Um, so I'd love to get some input from them, but I wanted to mention a few projects that I think have the lowest barrier to entry and the highest rate of satisfaction if that makes sense. Um, projects that I think anyone can cut their teeth on learning how to solder, um, you know, after just doing a couple of test solders, jump right into these projects and try to make some things happen. And I think they're, uh, and they're useful. They're things that if you're a gamer, um, or even if you're not, uh, you'll find, you know, simple, educational and useful. Uh, and I just want to talk about a few of them right now, because they're ones I've done. And, uh, you know, they're ones that I've used the results of uh, day in and day out. So let me go ahead and start with um, a very simple one. And ultimately, it has to do with fixing uh, game cartridges that don't work. And I'll mention a few different cartridges, but typically I'm talking about, you know, um, 8 and 16-bit, you know, era games. So uh, my favorite one to, to show off really would be the Sega Genesis um, cartridges. And the reason being... Uh, I think a lot of people have, you know, you might have 20, 30 Sega Genesis games or Master System if you're overseas, and, you know, one or two of them don't work, or you buy a, a cheap lot of games and you realize, oh, they're cheap because somebody obviously sold a bunch of non-working games. Um, let's get these things working again. And um, I think you'd have some, some pretty good success rates doing this. So a uh, few things that you can do. Uh, first of all, you're going to want to get the... If you go on eBay or anything like that, you can get these star bits. It's a they're like little screwdrivers. Um, they're very specific to Sega Genesis and Nintendo um, screws. They're kind of proprietary. You can usually get a kit. There's a smaller one which is works on Nintendo products. There's a larger one that works on the Sega products, and then um, there's even a little triangle one that works on some of the handheld Nintendo, like the DS and things like that. Um, I think the uh, Game Boy Advance as well. Uh, but with the Genesis one particularly, uh, you're going to open the two halves of the shell, and you're going to see the little PCB, the little the board inside, right? Um, now, the first thing I would do is you'll notice there is a little black capacitor on there. That little black um, looks like a small, uh, if you're old enough to remember, film container. <laughs> um, they're actually called a film capacitor sometimes. So it's got two legs on it. One is positive, one is negative, and those things often fail. Um, just look on the side and you can see what size capacitor it is and match the numbers with a new capacitor. You're going to get your soldering gun out and apply a little heat to the, you know, the solder on one of the legs and, and pull it off. Uh, I mean, if you want to do this, you know, correctly, you can use a solder and sucker, things like that. Um, but you can use, you could literally just put heat on one leg and kind of pull it off, put heat on the other leg, and remove the, the capacitor. It's only got two legs. Um, if you want, you can just shove a new one right in as it goes. It takes a little more uh, work, uh, again, to do it correctly. You want to use a little solder wick and um, suck away some of the existing solder. But if you put that new capacitor in, I would say that fixes most games. And you've got working uh, Sega Genesis game again. Now, let's say that doesn't fix it. Uh, this is the next really basic uh, electronic slash, you know, soldering fix, uh, even though it's not soldering, it's electronics, um, that you can use for, and this goes for almost anything, and it's very simple. It's called toning out or tracing a, um, see, you, I, you can tell I'm no expert. 
but following a trace. So if you see an area that looks uh, sketchy, you're looking on the on the PCB. You see the little lines that don't look thick in a certain area, or maybe they have some crud on it. You can literally get your multimeter. You set it to tone, and that is literally just checking to see if the point where you put your first probe and the point where you put your second probe uh, has connectivity, electrical connectivity between those two points. So if you go to your PCB board on the cartridge and you put it on the pins on the bottom, you follow that up past whatever part looks sketchy, and you uh, find a point to test higher up there. Now you can't just put it anywhere on the board because usually it's got a, a, a um, you know, some sort of covering over the protective covering. You have to scrape off to get to the trace. But you you can either do that and scrape it off and test that trace itself, or just go up to where the next um, you know uh, uh, either diode capacitor or whatever the next point is. Test there, and just keep testing all of the pins on that particular cartridge. Um, you know, depending on the cartridge, you know, NES ones are 72 pins or something like that. The Genesis ones are much less. Uh, but just start checking those. Check the ones that look sketchy. And if you find one that doesn't work, then, hey, you have a trace that is no longer complete, and that's why your game is not working. Um, and there's multiple ways to to fix that. There's, you know, really clean, effective ways that take some skill and the right equipment. And then there's uh, the simple, you've probably heard of the word, bodge wire. Um, now, again, I'm, I'm showing you, telling you this stuff so that you can do some basic electrical practice and get things working. It's not going to be pretty if you do it this way by any means. But essentially, if you take a little piece of electrical wire, uh, you know, you scrape off the ends or pull off the ends with a wire stripper, uh, and you're going to solder one point of that wire to uh, one side of the trace that is good and healthy. And then you want to solder the other point to somewhere higher up and basically bypass the corroded non-existent trace. And that wire, the electrical current can now carry through that um, that section. And that has gotten, I would say, 40% of the additional games that uh, the capacitor didn't fix working. Um, now, of course, the simplest thing to do before you do any of this, and I probably should have said this up front, is just to, to clean the contacts themselves with, um, I mean, even as something as simple as water and a Q-tip. I usually use, uh, you know, there's, you know, what is funny, what I actually use is, and someone can call me out on this if it's wrong, but uh, I squirt a little of my uh, dry erase board, um, the eraser spray <laughs> on a Q-tip and rub it on the contacts, and I use the other side of the Q-tip to dry it off. Seems to work really darn well. Um but you want to keep those things clean. If it's something really gunky, you can't get off of there. Uh, you can use a eraser or rubber, as you say, overseas. Um, so I'm hoping that gives you some confidence to to play with and learn some basic electrical stuff. Uh, go out and buy a lot of games or something on eBay that are not working, and see if you can get them working, or buy them at a store, or, you know, get a deal on stuff that looks good but says not working or things that you have no idea if they're working or not, but it seems kind of shady. Hey, you might be able to make it, make it work, fix it. Um, I would say those are some really useful, um, you know, tick tips and tricks to learn. And the result is a working game. It's <laughs> or working day. You know, you can use those on a lot of different things. I, I used it on my TI 99 for a, a Texas instruments computer when I wanted to create a uh, pass through for the added speech module so that 
you could get power through to the other side and plug in an expansion module. Long story short, it sounds like if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a bunch of jargon. But long story short, there is a bodge wire needed, and that's all that's needed to make a bunch of other accessories work. Um, very simple, very cool. So let's hop on to the next one, I think, which will be very useful for a lot of people. And that is a very simple composite audio mod for many of your consoles. Many of the old consoles have RF only, you know, that little uh, the coax cable you shove in the back and then you connect it to the ugly um, uh, thing that dings off the back of your TV where it can select either game or TV, right? Um, you're basically choosing which RF signal to use. So get going to a composite... Uh, signal is going to do a number of things for you. And first of all, I would say the most important is that most TVs don't even have a way to plug RF in anymore. So many of your old consoles aren't going to even be able to plug into most TVs and you're going to be, you know, caught up there. Um, the other benefit is the sound and the video and everything is mashed into one signal when you do RF and it uses a modulator device built into typically uh, either built into the console or built into that little box that you're you're switching. And it's literally smashing everything into one signal, which creates an ugly, messy, noisy signal. So a lot of these consoles, um, you can, and again, this comes with a, a caveat, you can, if you're purist, you don't like this, but hey, they're your systems, you do what you want with them. Uh, but just buy a few um, of the composite connectors you know red white and yellow for video drill some holes in your console make sure you go online and see where people put them strategically depending on your console you just uh you know put them in in through the holes you screw the lock nut down so you've got them uh locked in place and all you're going to have on these um these items here these um composite connectors is two points one is going to be to ground and the other point is going to be your your signal and the vast majority of systems uh you can pull a video signal as well as a left and right and if it's not left and right you can also find just a mono uh, audio signal uh somewhere on the board in your in your system they're usually you know again go online to, to see which system you want to do it for but they're usually very simple. You usually wire uh, one end of a wire to one point and then wire it to the input signal on that connector and do that you know, two times if you have mono uh, audio and then a video signal or three times if you have stereo audio and a video signal. Um, and then everything, all the grounds just get tied together and get tied to one of the grounds somewhere on your board. Uh, for the most part, just find the biggest ground there is, and that should do the trick for you. But again, go online for your particular system. Uh, now, I think this is such a good one because, again, it makes so many of these systems look better, uh, more usable. You'll be able to play it much easier without pulling out like a small TV that you kept in the backward, you know, of your of your closet somewhere just in case you ever wanted to play this again so you never pulled out because it takes too much work. All these things. Uh, I have done this mod to a variety of different systems. Um, I've done it to my Sega Master System 2 that uh, Tim got me. I have done this to my Intellivision. I have done this to my ColecoVision. I have done this to... I'm trying to just look at my shelf here at all the ones I've done this to. Um, you know, there, there's 
a lot of systems, again, you'd be surprised at some of them that are RF only. And you're like, why on earth is this more modern system RF only when, uh, you know, you would think darn for darn sure that they would have upgraded at this point. But just look at your systems, go online, check it out. <clears throat> Very few systems are more complicated than that. Um, I've even done this to an old uh, video disc player I've talked about previously on the show that only had RF and going to, uh, you know, stereo audio and um, and uh, composite video uh, makes the thing super use- usable and inc- increase the uh, quality of the picture a ton. Let's go with uh, my third and final one I want to talk about today. And this is one that's a little more uh, in-depth. It's going to be more of a project if you haven't done something like this before. But, man, it is very satisfying. I think it's something everybody uh, in the hobby should do at one point or another. And that is to make your own video game controller. Um, So, typically, and I'll try to be quick about this, but a controller is just a bunch of inputs. Um... One wire, again, one wire, uh, the button itself, contact points are open. Therefore, the loop is not closed. So when you press the button down, it closes the loop and sends, um, you know, allows your video game system to send a signal. And if it goes through and sees it on the other side, it goes, oh, you pressed up. So the video game character goes up. Simple as that. Um, it started very simply with, like, the Atari controller, which is essentially five contacts. You've got the big red button, and you've got up, down, left, and right. And then the way that joystick is made, if you press a diagonal, it presses up and left, and or up and right at the same time. Therefore, you can do a diagonal. So it's five buttons, basically, right? Well, you can go online at this point. Uh, you can buy the good stuff, or else you can just go on Amazon at this point for, I think, like $16.00 and buy uh, a pretty decent arcade stick and, like, six buttons with all the contacts, these little um, micro switches that are pretty standard for all arcade machines. Um, The micro switches are actually like a two-way switch, so one side is normally open, the other side is normally closed. You don't need to know what that means. Just know uh, when you look at the... uh, at the, the micro switch itself, that the center is going to be, you know, your your common or your neutral, and one side is going to work for you, the other side won't. Um, you want it to be normally open, which means that when the button is not depressed, the circuit is open rather than closed, so not letting the current through. That's basically all that means. Anyways, uh, you want to get those that, that kit, and then you can get a, a box... Um, you know, if you want to start simple and just prove to yourself that you can put this thing together and make something that works, you can use like a shoebox. Um, but it's not that much more difficult to go get yourself. I like to use cigar boxes. They're a really nice size. They come in different sizes and shapes, of course. I like to buy like a, a pretty wide, flat one. Um, so I can rest my hands on it. Um, and if you want to do a simple like Atari style joystick, you can just put one button on there. Um, but keep in mind that, for example, if you look at a, most of the systems that have a DB9 connector, it's a nine pin connector, which is like the Atari style connector. Um, for example, the Genesis also has a nine pin connector. Um, what does that mean? Well, one of those, one of those pins uh, is going to be your ground. 
one of those pins is going to be your um, all your but I shouldn't say ground I should say common it's going to be your common or your neutral and then all the other buttons are going to be um, different inputs right so let's look at a Genesis pad right you've got up down left right you've got three buttons and you've got start so that's eight total buttons you need well guess what a DB9 connector has nine pins right which means you have a common that needs to you know send a signal. And then you've got how many other pins? Eight. Hey, look, the Sega Genesis maxes out the number of buttons a DB9, uh, you know, connector can use standardly for most systems. So you can make a a, a single button arcade. I made a, a two because most games uh, can use can use two uh, for a lot of systems. Um, and then of course, if you want to do a full Genesis style arcade stick, you can add a third button on there or fourth and get, have start as well. So, um, very cool, very fun to, to do. Uh, I was talking about the DB9 one. A lot of these kits also included a little encoder board, which are basically you know dirt cheap nowadays. So usually you get a kit with that encoder board. If you want to go that route, you can use the encoder board. Everything wires up exactly the same, but they also provide these little... Um, uh, you don't have to wire everything to and from each relay because the they include... Uh, little pigtails right they call them pigtails but they're wire pre-made wires you just plug onto the end of your your um, micro switches and then plug it into this little encoder board and now you can run this thing to a usb port it makes it a usb controller how cool is that um i've seen controllers made out of all kinds of things um uh, i'm thinking about even doing one that i do on a smaller scale with some micro switch buttons and a pcb board and trying to kind of make my own handheld controller i think that would be cool i have not done anything like that yet but i've made a number of arcade sticks and um you know building something with your own hands and that's actually my main controller for for all my old 8-bit systems the commodore you know the vic my um the coco i, I was using the atari with it the other day but my little two button joystick um that I made out of a cigar box and fun, neat little trick, uh, that I, that I did, you know, it's not uncommon by any means, but, uh, I also put a switch in there that literally guides my, my, uh, up button, the button I have, uh, set for up. I should say the micro switch I have set for up. And by flipping the switch, it reroutes the wire over to a, the second button, so that I can use the second button for jump if I want, and then up does nothing, so I can't accidentally hit that. And I can flip the switch the other way, and now up is up, and I only have one button, one button control. Anyways, those are projects that cover like the vast majority of stuff I do with electronics and video games. I've done uh, you know recaps and things like that to an extent, but um, especially when it comes to the surface mount capacitors, things like that. Uh, really troubleshooting and figuring out things past replacing parts and hoping for the best. You know, I'm, I'm going to be reaching out to Frank at Retro Rewind um, to, to you know, trust my babies with uh, before I screw something up. But those are pretty tried and true, pretty simple, and uh, hard to mess up. I hope you guys get out there and try one or two or three of these things. Uh, a big part of the hobby enjoyment for me is uh, being able to fix my own stuff, learning how to fix my own stuff, and, uh, you know, eventually you start finding yourself buying better and better equipment to fix things with. Um, but nothing you can't get away. You know, an eraser is 50 cents. A basic soldering iron you can get for like 12 bucks. And a multimeter you can get for like 12 bucks. Uh, a little bit of solder. And you can do anything I just talked about today. Um, cool. 
hope you guys enjoyed this. Sorry it went 21 minutes. Uh, and uh, for, for those of you who know this stuff like the back of your hand and uh, can point out a million things I did wrong, just let me know later. That is just fine. And uh, hopefully it was still entertaining hearing somebody like myself, a hack, kind of teach, trying to teach others who know less than, than myself. Um, I would love to hear other people's ideas for you know projects for beginners. Um, maybe some projects I never thought of that I would love to do. Uh, I'd consider myself, uh, you know, middle of the road at this point, rather. I'm, I'm definitely not a beginner, but no expert by any means. Um, an enthusiastic hobbyist. So thank you guys for listening, and go out there and uh, melt some solder. Don't breathe the fumes. And who is that handsome man I see on the other line? Handsome? I, I don't know who you could be talking to. It's Eric! <laughs> no, <I'm just> Yay! <laughs> Eric and Cody are handsome men. I don't know about me. <laughs> Hello, everybody! It's Tim! It's early early in the morning, and I've woken everyone up as usual. (laughs) There you go, I like it. Well, uh, Tim, Jason Holland won a $25 gift card to RetroRewind.ca earlier. Congratulations, Jason! Yeah, Of course, course he knows that 15 days ago at this point, but yeah. Exactly. Yay! Um, Awesome, well... Uh, Eric, as we like to do, we finish quick questions. We listen to uh, Cody's Corner by now, and uh, we need to lick ourselves up so that we can uh, handle talking to Tim. I mean, enjoy talking to Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Most people have that same reaction. They need beer to talk to me. I can understand that. All right. Uh, Eric, I want you to grab that large jug. It's going in for the jugs. Going in for the jugular. So, Tim, Tim, can you read... (laughs) Don't read this. Can, can you read the? Here, uh, is it is it head? <laughs> oh, oh right. okay. Nevada Mead <laughs> Mead Company. There we go. Okay. That's right, Eric. We are going to partake in a pint of mead together. Wow. Cool. Tim, have you ever had mead? Uh, I don't think so. No. So, Eric, I don't think you have either. It didn't sound like you have. No, no, I don't think so. So being I was at British, the it, being British. I should have really had mead before, I guess, but no, I've never, never had that medieval right. mead. Exactly, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, mead is the the beverage of uh, the knights of the round and like friars and stuff. Well, actually, it's still beer, but yeah. But um, normally, but, normally, if I go down to where the knights of the round table were, I I bring back tintagel beer. So <laughs> yep, yep. Anyways, this is uh, this is mead, man. So I feel like we should, we should be drinking out of like pewter mugs. Yeah. Um. But just but go there, straight out of the bottle. Why not? There is a place. Let's go ahead and pour it. It's a uh, yeah. Pour it's ourselves pour it right now. There's a place uh, about twenty minutes, twenty eh, twenty five minutes, uh, by way of sports car, um, <laughs> up in Penn Valley, which is uh, next to Grass Valley. And uh, when I was at the Grass Valley Beer Fest, we were trying all these beers, and I saw this place called the. Uh, Nevada County Mead Company. I'm like, dude, I have to try mead. And mead essentially is beer, but brewed with honey rather than grain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And I love it. I, it's got a very unique taste that you're like, I've never tasted this, but somehow it's still comforting. And like, I know this. At the, it's like, I've never had it, but I feel like I know it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And they have like five different flavors. They have a few. They have the really The original old mead is like 16% alcohol. Jeez. He makes um, this version is more uh, modern, palatable mead. I think it's six and a half percent. So this is more drinkable, a little easier to take. 
Uh, and this particular one's called Butterbrew, and I love it. So, Eric, cheers. Let's see how you like yourself a pint of mead. Cheers. Cheers, right, guys. I, I have my coffee, but I've I've ditched my um, mug that I got rinsed for last month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so okay. I'm, just going, I'm just going with the star, Starbucks mug this time. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want the, uh, the 80s jazzer-sized leggings anymore, huh? No. No. So this, yeah, this does definitely have a distinct, different flavor than beer. It's, right? uh, you can taste the sweetness of the honey quite a bit. Got some honey sweetness like going on there. <laughs> yep. Low carbonation. Well, what's it like on the nose? Honey. It's funny. It has a very interesting... Um, Butterbrew. Butterbrew on the nose. Whatever that yeah. means. That's what it's called. It's called Butterbrew. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not horrible, but I'm not saying, I don't know if I love it. I, I don't think, know if I love it. We'll have to get to the bottom and we'll have to see if it's grown on you at all. I love it. Like <laughs> I've already put down a few jugs of this stuff. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yep. Yep. And they had some other ones, but they're like peach and you know, kind of, they add some fruit flavors and stuff. This one's more of like a pure, they call it butter, butter brew. So I, I think it's more pure mead. I don't know, but it's. No added uh, fruity flavors. It's just honey. All right, Eric. So out of uh, out of twenty Winnie the Poohs with no pants. <laughs> what? Why would you take his pants? Because did he have pants? He didn't have pants. Baby. He didn't. He didn't. I didn't take anything. He just decided not to wear it. It's his own freaky business, Eric. You don't need to judge freaky him for it. Business. I don't want to hear about this Winnie the Pooh freaky business. Winnie the Pooh getting his freak on. <laughs> All right, where are you going to so put how this? Many, how many 20, winnies? Out of twenty winnies. Out of twenty winnies, I'm going to give it a. I'm going to give it eleven. Eleven winnies. Ooh, you do not like it. Okay, I'm not a big fan, but it's not bad. It, I, I could rate it lower, but it's I'm, it's actually not not it's drinkable. I'm going to give it a seventeen. I really I really enjoy it. Although I feel the the best way to do it is if I was wearing like a, a thick traveling robe and I had a big bushy <laughs> beer. And I just like poured half of it into my beard as I drank, put it down, yeah. burped, and just went. I'll have another a massive, mead. Yeah, and then ate a massive turkey leg. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tim, uh, little yes. birdie told me that you have a game show for us. Ooh. Well, that would be absolutely true. I do have a game show. All right, All right. Let's do this. So go ahead and tell us the name of this game show, and we'll start the fancy music. Uh, it is Battle of the Retro Mastermind Power Systems Edition. Wow. What does That's all that mean? mean? <laughs> <I'm> excited. <laughs> That's a whole lot of words. All right. I'm pumped. I feel like I'm in an episode of Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You That's guys ready? We're ready. Yes. Okay. So for this game show, we are going head-to-head -head in a battle of the power systems. Here on Pixel Gaiden, we have our systems we grew up with. So let's test to see how much we know about them. We will have questions based on systems that you guys know a fair bit about. The Commodore 64 and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Both brilliant systems, both you have a little knowledge of, and ones each you know a lot about. We're going to go three rounds. First round will be questions about the console itself. 
The next will be software, and finally, accessories. All right. Sounds good. Let's do okay. it. Yep. So, round one. As we in the Western world call it, the NES was released in, Ju uh, in Japan in July 1983 as the Famicom or the family computer. In what year was the NES version released first in Europe? Europe. There's no multiple choice on these. I know what it is. I don't know, but I think I know. This number right here. Okay. All right. Are we ready? I'm ready. ready. I said 85. 85. 80, I didn't even come out in America. 87. Uh, Cody, you are correct. Really? Eric, I'm afraid you are wrong. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I, I never had a Nintendo as a kid, so no, I'm, not, no. I'm not fully knowledgeable on it. Yep. So it's, it's quite late in Europe, really. Late in the game. Okay. Uh, question two in round one. The Commodore 64 was designed and released in its original breadbin format in August 1982. In what year was the redesigned version of the Commodore 64C released? In what Europe? year? Uh, or is that everywhere? It worldwide. It was worldwide, yep. I'm not good with dates. <laughs> okay. I'm Are ready. we ready? Yep. Let's see those answers. 1986. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll go with what I wrote because I was about to change it to 87, but I put 86 as well. You are both correct. Well done. Oh, I got saved by my own. Cool. I'll take it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well done, guys. Good, good. Okay. The NES is reported to have sold in North America a total of 34 million units. Which do you think is the next highest selling region at 19.35? I want to hear the question again. Okay. So basically, in America, in North America, they sold 34 million. Yeah. The next region, biggest selling region in the world is 19.35. Which region do you think that is? Is it the rest of the world or is it Japan? Okay, I have, I'm so you get this as multiple choice: rest of the world or Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm assuming Japan means Famicom, then. Yeah. All right, all right. I got my answer. Okay. Um. Okay, I'm just gonna guess here. I don't so, know. So, so we're thinking rest of the world sales. Yep. Apart from North America, and Japan or Japan. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Rest of the world. Japan. Cody, you are correct. I was going to pick Japan, but I was like, man, that they had to have sold more. That's what I thought. I mean, I mean how can I mean, uh, Japan's not the biggest country and they sold 19.35. So so they must have sold three in every household or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's small enough. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. <laughs> OK, time to time to bring this one back, Eric. OK. okay. The Commodore 64 has a very iconic startup screen when you switch it on, mm -hmm. displaying the version of Basic, which is version two, and 64K or 64,000 bytes. How many Basic bytes are yep. reported free on the startup screen? 
I think I know, but I'm going to round it. Uh, it to be, needs to be exact. It needs to be exact. <laughs> How many times have you seen the Commodore 64 power-up screen? Eric? A million times. <laughs> A million times. I thought Eric would have this one. I knew exactly what the question was going to be, and I don't know the answer, but I'm going to give you a... Are we going out five digits? It's five digits, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. All right, I got a number. I don't think that's quite right. Thirty-eight one four two, Tim. I put thirty-two zero four eight. Sorry, guys, you're both wrong. I'm afraid it's three eight nine one one. Oh, I was cl- I got the three eight. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was three eight something nine one one, huh? Okay, after round one, we are three to Cody and one to Eric. That sounds about right. Okay. Come on, Eric, you can do this. You can pull it back. So round two. So we are talking games now. Uh, So on this round, we're going to go with the first question. The NES was first released in Japan in 1993. That's not right. 1983. 1983. A typo on my mistake. As the home cassette type video game family computer. Nintendo ported for release three popular games, arcade games, two of which are Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Can you name the third? The third arcade port, right? Yes, on day of release for the for the family computer or the Famicom in Japan. I have an idea. Oh, man. Okay. So think of a Nintendo arcade port around that time, a Nintendo arcade game around that time. Yeah. Ah. Uh, all right. Are we ready? No, I'm not ready. Um... Jeez, Eric, take forever. All right. I'm done. I know this is wrong. Okay. Cody. Popeye. Burger time. No, I, I, picked, <laughs> I, picked, I picked Galaga. Galaga. Oh, wow. Eric, okay. Eric, you are wrong, I'm afraid. And Cody, you are right. Oh, okay. I thought you said Galaga. Wow. Like, okay, I'll take it. Oh, I wanted man. to say Puyan for a while. I don't know why, but I'm like, no. You actually gave it away because you said Nintendo, and I'm like, oh, wait, Puyan is not what. Okay. Popeye. Take it. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so question two. Commodore were prolific publishers in the early years of the Commodore 64 and released many classics on cassette, disc, and cartridge. Can you pick out which game from this is not an Commodore official published title? So we've got Depth Charge, International Soccer, Zork, the Undiscovered Underground, or Dancing Monster. Which is not an official launched Commodore title. Depth Charge, International Soccer, Zork, the Undiscovered Underground, or Dancing Monster. I know two of those for sure, which are Commodore. Mm-hmm. The other two I'm not sure about. So I'm going to pick one. I got 50-50 on this. All right. 50-50. I'm going to... Uh, Eric, you got yours in mind? I do. Yep. I'm going to go Zork. Okay. 
I'm going to go Dancing Monster. Okay. Eric, I am afraid you are wrong. Cody, you are correct. Yay! Well, but see, that I was going to pick that because it's an Infocom game, but they Infocom. published it. It was, on the, it was in the blue box. No, Zork the Undiscovered Country was written in 1997 by Activision, but was never actually commercially released. Oh. All right. Fair okay. enough. Okay. Take it. I'll take it. Uh, so where are we? Question three? Yeah. Uh, the NES and the C64 have a few games in common. One of these was produced for both the C64 and the NES Famicom. So one of these games. So this is multiple choice. We've got Beachhead, Raid on Bungalow Bay, Summer Games, or Congo Bongo. So which one of those was produced on both the C64 and the NES and Famicom? I think Eric and I are both going to get this. Yeah, I got, got my it. answer. Raid on Bungalow okay. Bay. Right on Bungling Bay. Correct. Well done, gentlemen. Thank you. It's not, gonna, it's not helping me. It's, help, <laughs> it's helping the show. All in all, we've gotten more right than wrong, Eric. So we're doing all right for the show. We're doing okay. We're doing good. Cody's doing very, very well. Yeah, I'm not doing very well. Okay. Who published the Commodore 64 version of Bubble Bubble in the UK? Was it Ocean, <laughs> Firebird, Microprose or Tato? I got it. Ocean, Firebird, Microprose or Tato? Ready? I am ready. Uh, uh, Okay. And I hope I got this right. I'm going to be embarrassed. It should have been Tato, but it's not. I put Microprose because that's so weird it's probably right. That's not right. It's uh, Firebird. You are correct, Eric. Well done. All right. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. I knew it was a microprose. Was okay. It, wasn't Firebird a budget title? No, Firebird is a full full um, budget label, but they also did um, full price games as well. Uh, they did the okay. Silverbird label, and they also were Rainbird as well, which published a lot of um, adventures like the Pawn and all that sort of stuff. And the Pawn, what? the Pawn, Eric, yeah. the Pawn. That happened last oh. episode, and you did it again. What? <laughs> I was waiting, waiting for that reaction. You, you, you must have giggled a lot at uh, Flack's latest Sprite Castle. Then <laughs> um, he didn't say it with your accent, Tim. So, I, but yeah. Yes. Didn't Firebird also have some relation with Virgin? Mm-mm. No, you're talking uh, about they, the pawn again. <laughs> no, I thought, they, I thought they bought them or something, but anyway. No, no, no. Okay. That's funny. Okay, so we are uh, two, so it's four to Eric and six to Cody. All right. I'm catching up. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. The gap is closing. Round three. For the Commodore 64, there are many Freezer and... Sorry, this is peripherals round, just to refresh. Thank you. So, for the Commodore 64, there are many Freezer and Snapshot cartridges. One stands above the rest and went on to come out on many other systems called the Action Replay. Can you name the company that produced it? Do, do. No looking around. I'm doing. I'm not looking around either. <laughs> Hold on. Um, man, it's on the tip of my tongue. 
I'm gonna have to hurry, you gentlemen. I can't think of the name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Don't look around. I'm gonna be at a loss. I'm just I I'm I'm have an answer, but it's not right. I'm just gonna stretch my shoulders out here for a second. And just kill time? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no I, I, I don't I don't I, know. I, I, I can hear several people shouting and screaming at, I'm just gonna, at, the, at their at their radios at the moment. <laughs> Alright, I'm just gonna say epics because that's what comes to mind, but I don't believe that's correct. Okay, no, sorry, Cody, that's not a correct guess. I don't have an answer. I, I totally don't have an answer, so I'm okay. just Okay, alright. It was Daytel Electronics. Daytel. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have remembered that. Now that you say it, but I wouldn't have remembered that. Okay. Now that you say it, I still have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question two in round three. NES Yes. The NES, the legendary (laughs) NES Zappa light gun was bundled with the NES system and was used with many classic games. However, there was a rival to the Zappa in the form of LaserScope. This is a head-mounted, voice-activated sight system. Can you name the company that released it in 1991? The Superscope? Nope. No, the, the laser scope. scope. Oh, the it laser is, scope. It's a, a headset. It's a grey headset, and it had like a little sight that came over your eye. Yep. So yeah. it kind of like had a, a reticle. I, I, I've never even seen that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. I know exactly what you're talking about, and since Eric has no idea, are you going to take a guess first then, Eric? Sure. Um, I'm going to guess, let's see, what's a peripheral maker of the time? Um, Don't say Mad Cats. Mad Cats, no. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I don't. I don't have a guess. Anything would be just a stupid guess. I'm gonna. I, I. I'm gonna say Tiger. No, I'm afraid you're wrong. Cody. Okay. It was actually Konami. Konami. Oh, Konami. Really? Wow. Yep. Yep. I did not know. No, I, not, know I got some knowledge today. I like it. We got educated. <laughs> okay. So th- this one could go one of two ways. You're either going to know this or you're not. I think. So one of the most sought-after accessories for the NES is the power glove. <laughs> yeah. No. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> this device first saw light of day in a moving starring the Wonder Years Fred Savage. What was the name of this film? We both know it, Eric. We got this one. Wait, no, I don't have it. I mean, it's not on my. Hold on. I can't believe I I I, I do know this, but I can't remember. That mead, that stupid mead. <laughs> it was all a ploy. I'm trying not to say any quotes from the movie or anything. I don't want to give anything away. I believe in magic, magic. I'm gonna have to hurry, you, Mister Nelson. Final answer. No. Uh, what is that one? Um, All right, I got an answer. I don't think it's right. Okay, go for it, Eric. Because I Princess know my... Bride, the Wizard. The Wizard. Cody, you are correct. I got it wrong. The Wizard. Okay. Last I question. I love the glove. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. This is it, guys. Okay. 
First created in 1984 by Mark Fellows and later sold by Creative Micro Designs, is a kernel ROM replacement that work in conjunction with the C64 and the 1541 drives. Can you name the product? <laughs> I thought this was games related. <laughs> no, this is the peripherals round. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's a it's a quite a famous name for a a thing on the Commodore 64. I have I I have it. I don't need to name the original company that made it you, though, do I? No, no, just no, the no. name of it. Okay. Say it I've again it. real quick, Tim. Just read the whole thing real quick. First created in 1984 by Mark Fellows and later sold by Creative Micro Designs is a kernel ROM replacement that works in conjunction with the C64 and 5041 drives. Can you name that product? I got the answer. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Might as well give it to me. You're going to win anyway. Woof. Say burger time. Uh, <laughs> say it. Isn't it called like Jiffy something? Jiffy DOS. Yep, Jiffy DOS. Oh. Jiffy DOS. Well done. <laughs> Didn't even give that to me, Cody. I don't know why I had it. Okay, we have a we have a winner, Cody. Congratulations with eight and Eric. I think you didn't. I thought I thought you fared well on that. It's fine. It's eight. You got five. Well done. Well done, guys. And total hey. out of twelve, right? Yeah. So yeah, let's see. Like that. Out of twenty, <laughs> out of twenty-four <laughs> possible. Exactly. Eric, we got more 12, than half. Yeah. yeah. My, by my math, we got just one more than half. We we win. That's win. right. <laughs> it was a collective win. Well done, everyone. Thank you, Tim, for a good game show. You are welcome. Ah, uh, good one. Good one. Good one. All right, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen because it is now time for Eric to drink a whole bunch more mead. No, um, I'm, I'm done with my mead. You know, what? I actually still well, you have drank the whole lot. Well, I, the whole jug. I filled my pint and that was it. I gave Eric um, a pint. I kept the other. I have about two more pints in here. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I gave him enough for a beer, but I didn't know if he'd like it or not. I'd be more giving if I knew he wasn't going to hate it, but he hated it. So, All right. Oh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gentlemen, how about we catch up? Tim. That's me. <laughs> we have to do that every time now. And Tim. Before we dig too far into this catching up, we've been meaning to do this for like four episodes, ever since Tim sent us our last package. Eric and I... Oh, I don't know why I did that. Hold on. Let me go back to... Uh, let me unshare my screen. Because Tim, I'm showing Tim the camera and he still can't see it. No, I, I can because I can switch between. So it's oh, okay. there you go. So I got Fisherman's five. friends. Here it is, yep. So I still got mine. So I'm ready. We're going to so, taste these bad boys. So for, for everyone, I sent the guys over a package the last time, and in there contained some candy, maybe, kind of stuff, which is uh, it's almost like a medicinal thing. It's called Fisherman's Friends. So in, if you're in the UK, you've probably heard or seen these. Menthol and, and eucalyptus are, flavor. Yep, they're just about to try one each. So let's let's give it a go and see what the reaction is. All right. I'm so, so scared the way you're so excited about this. <laughs> the smell is weird. It is. Hold on. I want to be able to see everybody. Hold on. It smells like eucalyptus. It smells like um so on the way to school in Monterey, we go through a big eucalyptus forest. 
That's right. Yeah. And that's what it smells like right now. Yeah. But it, to me, it smells like those um, Hall's mentholatum things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 those designed medicine. to sort of like clear the clear the uh, clear the airways. <laughs> Do I put the tablet on my tongue and then lay yes. back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw it in, dude. What do you think? Tastes like medicine. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're effective. They're disgusting. <laughs> Cody, the what's interesting is I took just took a drink of meat and it tastes better. <laughs> <laughs> Menthol mead. <laughs> There's an they advert are, in there somewhere. Menthol mead. They are <laughs> like bitter eucalyptus. I feel like a panda. Um, <laughs> man, I opened right up though. So wow. do fish do fishermen get stuffy? <laughs> Is that apparently a so? Yeah, yeah. Apparently <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Okay, we've done done the fisherman's friends. They're they're intense. <laughs> They're intense. I don't find them. Intense. I don't find them disgusting the way you do, Tim. Like if I'm sick, yeah, dude, I'll use I these. I, I'm legit going to save these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pop them like candy because they are not candy. But no, I use like the airwaves. <laughs> Anyways, Ooh. I talk like this now. Hello, hello, Cody. Ah, man. Well, <laughs> if I'm going fishing anytime soon, I know what I need to bring. I'm not sure why. I just know I need to bring them. All right. Um, but, but we, uh, hey, guys, all three of us have packages to open. We That's do. right. So I'm going to go grab mine. I got mine right here. And Eric, what is it, who is this package from? What is this package all about? So uh, Frank from Retro Rewind. Dot .ca. .ca. <laughs> .ca. Using Pixel Guidance PG10 for 10% off. Exactly. He sent us these little care packages. That's what he called them. And uh, they show he cares. They do show he cares. And so, yeah, so, so Frank, Frank, apologies. We haven't blanked you about getting these. We just haven't opened them till now. <laughs> That's right. All right. I'm looking. I'm opening the box and looking. I'm opening. Oh. Oh, man. He has a little note here. So here we go. He does. So load. So uh, tea yeah, and sweets, comma eight, comma one. Here <laughs> is our retro tea and some sugary sweets or candy. Enjoy, Team Retro. We rhyme. And Excellent. we got a personal note on the back too, guys. All right, I'll read mine here. Eric, thanks for keeping our hobby thriving, and thanks for your support, Team Retro Rewind. Awesome. I think we probably all got that message, but that's yeah. awesome. Thank you, yep. Frank. That is thank so, you, super Frank. cool. Look at that. I've got a t-shirt from Retro Rewind. There it is. Yep, look, look at that. that. CA. We said yeah. we wanted it. That's a good looking shirt. That is a good looking shirt. Look at that. That is cool. I can, I can now be like Doug. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. I'm Doug. I'm from, where is he? Uh, Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, this, this is a black. This is a black uh, T-shirt that has the logo Retro Rewind with a blue uh, Rewind logo, like you would find on a cassette player. So, um, so super so cool, Cody. Do you think this is going to pass your wife's test for you to be able to wear it? I'm so honestly, I, I think it looks great, and I think it uh, should. 
but it's about a 50 50 with her it's about a 50 50 but it's clean it's simple it is it doesn't scream dork so i might be okay (laughs) it's it's a classy looking shirt so what, what 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 sweets what candy did we get so i got uh cherry airhead same here and a blue I raspberry got airhead. A blue raspberry one and i got some bubble bubble double some bubble, bubble. Have, you ever, double have you ever bubble. had double bubble uh tim uh i think over here we call it hubba bubba do you no i think <laughs> yeah. we have hubba bubba here oh do you oh okay all right oh, this is so, different this is double bubble double bubble is i i mean i don't you know, obviously this came from uh canada but i thought this was a classic american um oh it does say it canada is. it says made in canada right on it but uh yeah we have it in america too and it is hard as a rock until you chew it a bunch and then it becomes bubblegum. Right. Yeah. yeah yeah man the inf- inflation has gone up isn't it these things are 10 cents each or is that is that canadian sense which is like you know a million it is it is canadian sense on yeah, this one yeah. yeah it's got the slightly different thing and then on the back it's the kit so yeah that's probably what is, is that six is that, cents, contradi- seven cents. is that a contradiction in terms canadian sense <laughs> There's something there I'm sure I can play with, yeah. By the way, if you, the listener, wants this t-shirt, you can go to Retro Rewind and order it, and you get 10% off using PG10 code. This is true. This is true. And And it's a very classy t-shirt. Or you could go the the lengthy way, make yourself a retro podcast, and hopefully Frank (laughs) will support you, and he'll send you a t-shirt. It only takes about three years. (laughs) Um... I have to. I had to back piggyback your joke because you t- you're making fun of Canadian cents. But what do they call their dollars over there, Tim? I think I know. Uh, do you know? Well, in, in Canada. In Canada, <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. What What do they talk, call them, Eric? Are they loonies? Or They're loonies. Loonies. loonies that's right. it. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's uh, just slapping his head like, "Oh, why did I give those guys we anything?" We love Canada. We love Canada. Uh, We're already messing. I'm heading there soon. <laughs> Are you? Okay. Cool. I'm gonna go live there. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Next right. on the docket, gentlemen, uh, we have a lot of things to open, so we're gonna keep on rolling along because Eric and I, yeah, received a parcel. We did in we the did. mail. They're both For about me. the same. They're both the same size, right? Look at this little box. Um, yeah, th- that one. But we do we want to talk about the the whole big box we opened and everything that came in that? Yeah, we should talk about that first. Yeah, yeah let's yeah, do yeah. that first because uh, I'll get to this in a second. Let's start with the sweeties. How about that? Yep, I left my sweeties in the pantry below, but we got the same one, so we'll talk yep. about them. I'll go through it real quick, but as per usual, Tim blessed us with packaging in the in the uh, shape of crunchy bars. Up the wazoo, we got like many, many of them. Many much some crunchies. Gold, some golden goodness right there in their crunchy bars. And yep. he included uh, the this foil flat pack. Was it, is it always flat, or did you cut it and flatten it yourself? No, no, that's... Oh, um, back here that's the the wrapper so you buy them and they actually come in a pack of nine um and the wrapper is obviously golden like like the 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 crunchy wrappers so i just literally just opened it up carefully chucked all the crunchy bars in and then just sort of like (laughs) laid it on top the uh, the thing on top doug's got one as well and it's perfect because my bathroom i'm trying to just like wall just mask the walls with wallpapers of like nerdy stuff so i'm gonna put that up there along next to like the atari posters and other things yeah. So that's perfect. Crunchy goes into the Hall of Fame. 
<laughs> and then apparently, according to you, Tim, you told us this one might follow follow it very shortly. And this is a yeah. So they're Tunnix caramel bars. Yeah, yeah. They're caramel wafers with chocolate around them, and they are delicious. Yep. Sound My amazing. daughter and I had one today, and we both oh, enjoyed you? it very much. Yes. Yeah. So do you, do you think it's do you think it's level or on par with crunchy or a bit better than crunchy? I I I'm going to be honest here, and I think my daughter has the same opinion. Crunchy's still a little bit better. Okay, no, that's, I that's like fair. the crunchiness of the crunchy. To yep. be honest, yep, yep. So that that's that's going to be my. Now I haven't had the Milka yet, right? Very yep, good. So got, uh, Milka the big bar. bar, Milka chocolate. Yeah, which one was that you had, Cody? Because there was two different ones I sent. Was I it? got the straight Alpine milk chocolate. All right, okay. Yeah, and I got one with cool. caramel in it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Is that, where's uh? This is not from England, though, is it? Nope. It's well. It's uh, it may be made in England, but it's like Swiss-based chocolate. I think Milka. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That looks amazing. I have not had Milka Probably before. Nestle or somewhere like that. And then, of course, now we're talking UK chocolate, Cadbury. Cadbury's yep. cream egg, mini cream egg, mini cream egg. The season is coming up, so. <laughs> And what I what I like about these is I do enjoy the cream eggs, but the full size ones, way too much cream, not enough chocolate. That's true. Yeah, this is the way to go. Yeah, mini mini cream eggs. I might even eat a mini cream egg. I don't eat the full cream eggs. They're just way too sickly for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sickly is a good word for it. Yeah. And then we all now own a copy of Rogue Sixty Four, which Rogue we're holding. Sixty four. And I want to open this thing up. And, Go for and it. Eric, you can open yours up with me. Yeah. If you'd like. Yeah. Um, so first of all, as Tim kind of shown or told us about the last uh, month's episode of Pixel Gaiden, the box is gorgeous. Just really thick, shiny, well-printed, and like it's got that thing where different parts of the box shine at different rates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's and there's a game shiny, here, isn't it? Oh, and there's, yeah, there's, there's a game, yeah, as well. There's a game in there somewhere too. <laughs> oh, it's but, all oh around. It's super slick. But oh my goodness! I so I, I just opened it up here, and I've got a Badger Punch logo, which is the the developer. Yeah, Badger Punch Software. Little sticker, uh, sticker, little sticker, and I got a Rogue sixty four sticker with the the big gem and the little uh, yep. octopus arms all over the place. Yep, kind of cut as if it's a gem. Uh, this is a fun little touch. It's a cardboard uh, Rogue 64. I guess that's a... Um, like a drinks coaster, yeah. Yep. Yeah, coaster. Coaster. Exactly. Yep. yep. It's got a picture of some gameplay, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, super nice manual. Yeah, this manual is very, very nice. Yep. It's a good size. It's like an A... What do you call it? A5 in, in England, right? I guess everyone yeah, calls it that. Half, but... half A4, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. See, we don't even know what that is over here because all magazines are just giant because we're Americans. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, and it's all nice paper. It's all color inside. It's got some yep. some lore in it, and then the back shows a bunch of other games you can buy from them, which I suggest you do. And by them, by the way, I mean Bitmap Soft. Bitmap Soft. Yep. And then this is I've never seen anything like this. Now I'm to the point where I would say normally you should see a game, but I don't see a game. I see. Almost another. It looks like almost like another box cover. Yeah, it's like it's like a dead front. If you're an electrician, a dead front that covers all the breakers. Um, it's a big picture of a big gem, and it looks like if I put my finger in here and lift up, there's my gorgeous hey, cartridge. Presto, there is the cartridge. Yep. And then and above these... that, Eric, what is that? Yeah. 
the little jewel. The little, it's like a, it's not little. It's a pretty good size uh, aquamarine plastic jewel. (laughs) So I'll make sure to put that in my earring while I play video games. I don't know what to do with that exactly, but cool. I got a jewel. And then, and then on a similar note, there's also. Let me hold on. Let me see if I'm I'm uh, worthy enough to pull this out of the stone here. (laughs) Oh yeah. A legit, like, little pewter metal sword. <laughs> sword, yeah. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. They've done such a good job with that packaging. It's absolutely brilliant. And Very the game cool. is brilliant as well. I mean, it's just, yeah. just a fantastic game. And then there's the cartridge, which has a very puffy little sticker, which I think is really neat. Puffy sticker that is the label for the cartridge, says yep. Rogue 64. Um, man, it is... It just everything is just so perfect in this. The, even, the packaging, the game. Even when you take the cartridge out, there's another picture of the big gem underneath. Underneath it, yeah. Like yeah. You, there's no part on here that's just plain white or plain black. Everything is no. printed. Man, that's that's impressive. Do you own yeah. any other bit, Bitmap Soft uh, releases, Tim? Are they all like this or? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've got some of the earlier ones, which were just sort of like the tape game releases. Um, but I know they're working on Zeta or Zeta Wing, mm-hmm. uh, the physical for that, and that's obviously going to be going to be really nice. So yeah, they they, they I, th- I think it's Jamie at Bitmap Soft, um, and they they yeah they're doing a really good job. They're knocking it out of the park. So cool! Thank you, Tim, for sending this. These yeah, are, you are welcome, guys. That. I will be indulging in this quite so We're going to get onto the, onto the next little boxes you guys have got. I'm so excited about Not this. yet, Tim. Not yet. Not oh. yet, Tim. Oh, man. Cody's making us wait more. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Because I've got this big thing, and I can tell what it is. I've got a hint, and I have some questions because I didn't realize. Last time you, you mentioned, you mentioned a board, but this is not just a board. No, because you said that you wanted... Um, this particular thing because of the aesthetic and the look um, and you were going to try and get a case and all that sort of stuff so I thought well what the heck I'll just send you one well let me pay you for it or something because this is amazing so again I guess in the UK this is is this not the more common version of the Commodore 64 over there Um, well equally as common or uh, yeah I guess because the, the well so so we know this is a commodore c64c so this is the pal version because cody didn't doesn't have a pal c64 um so this this particular one uh came from a collection that i purchased um from uh, a guy i know on twitter um who was getting rid of a lot of commodore stuff and i sold him a 1541 disk drive a, couple, a few years back um and because he was clearing out his stuff he offered that drive back to me and i said well what other stuff are you getting rid of and he had a load load of load of bits and pieces um so uh, i bought that lot off of him and that is the c64 um and it's being passed on because i promised to promised him that i wouldn't sell it on um, you know, like an eBay profit and all that sort of stuff. I said, no, this, this, this stuff is going to get passed on to good homes. So that's, that's why you have this particular one, Cody. Because I tricked you into thinking that's a good home. <laughs> well, it is a good home. 
No, this is super cool, and I have no excuse now not to play Sam's Journey. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that, that's that's awesome. I didn't even think about that. So one, so I'm looking at the back here, and I've got uh, obviously the video, the serial cassette user, all this stuff looks familiar. Um, yeah, it's all, all the same. All the same. Should be exactly the same. Yeah. Did, did the original Commodore have a, have RF in the back? Sure did. What's this one? I don't remember this. LH, and there's a hole, and there's a yellow sticker underneath. Yeah, that's the uh, the signal switch, isn't it, for low and high frequencies on the RF, but it doesn't have it on those. Or channel three and four. Three, yeah, yeah, over here we call it three and four, or is that the same yeah. over there? I don't know, but... Yeah, well, we, 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 did, we didn't have that, so in the UK, oh, okay. those switches weren't available. Okay. That's fun little knowledge to know. Yeah, this thing's uh, different than I thought it would look. Um... It's got quite a rake on the keyboard, and then it drops off back here. That's interesting. Yep, yep. So it follows the similar design language of the stuff around that time, like the Commodore 128, um, which obviously you don't have. Um, but yeah, C64 is very, very much a common machine over here because obviously we had the 64 very much more in its in its ascendancy at that time um, when they when they released that. So yeah, we we got a ton of those around here but i mean they're they're still going now even now you know they're they're still selling for sort of like 70 80 pounds uh c64 c's yeah i I, anything values just just gone up crazy over over here i would say the the c that uh, ones i've seen because there's so few over here 250 something like that yeah yeah um awesome so i've got a pal and i've got this and i've got the c which i've been wanting this form factor for sure yeah, and the keyboard. The keyboard is it a different keyboard? I mean, it's obviously, it's, the, it's, the layout's it's the, same, the same, but it's not. Yeah, it's just, interchangeable. just different color. Yeah, just different. Yeah, you can you can you can put that keyboard in the normal sixty-four. Oh, you can. Okay, so it's all got the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got got the same um, same connector on it. Okay, it just looks different in this case. So cool. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. This is something right here. You are welcome. All okay. right, now now the one Tim's so excited about. Time yeah, to get it on. Okay, right. so whilst you guys are opening, I will explain a little bit about this. Okay, so my uh, tea time with Tim for the first episode is based all around this, and I still know not what that's that, about. Yep, yeah, it's something that we mentioned on the show last month. And I managed to pick one up, and then I loved it so much that I got one each for you guys as well. Goodness, Tim. A piece of foam. Thank you. Yep, a piece of foam. Look at that. You can use that. You can pretend it's a Commodore. You could pretend it's a C65. So it could could be worth tens of thousands of pounds, that foam. (laughs) It's It's actually fairly close to a to a specky in size yep so you need to open the the biggest thing first ignore okay. the other bits in bits and pieces that are more in there. foam okay. more foam so i got the big the little that's envelope it yep you right. both both got envelopes so you need to open the envelopes up as soon as you're ready cody i'm ready to so, rip apart so these, these are pretty well packed they, these are pretty well packed for reasons i will explain in a moment Okay. <laughs> so you need to you need to get going on that package there, Eric. Okay. 
Because inside, he's... it's even more packing. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. here we go. Okay, so I'm there. Okay, so now I'm going to open this inner bag. I'm, yep. cut, I'm just cutting away. Carefully. <laughs> Carefully. Carefully. Dude, Tim is, like, legitimately giddy right now. I love this. <laughs> okay, so they are... So this is, this is opening up. So for the first time, I am completely out of laugh. And lots of future was eight bit tape as usual. I see what it is. I'm gonna wait so in case Cody sees it or not. What? What? So what have we? What have we got this month, guys? What? What? What are we syncing up on Pixel Guiden with? This is a PS Vita. PS Vita. Da -da. Now, okay, don't turn it on just yet. No. Hold it, hold it up to the camera. Yep. Hold it up to the camera. Hang on, let me just double check mine. Hold it up to the camera. Have you got your finger on the button? No, where's the button? There it is. All right. Okay. Ready? Switch yep. on so we can all see each other's. One, two, three. To hold it down? Let's booting up. Brody's not like a... And wait, oh, wow. and wait, 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 wait. It's dangerous to go alone. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Tim. So I've changed, I've, these are fully unlocked, jailbroken, modded, whatever you want to call, up the wazoo. Wow. Um, so I have been through this. <laughs> this has taken me all last week to get all of these PS Vitas purchased, modded, and I shot video whilst I was modding yours, Cody, Okay. Um, <laughs> to go through the whole <laughs> mod process. So we're going to have a video go up on the Pixel Guide and YouTubes. Nice, um, man. For, uh, as an instruction video for other people to mod this. Now, that's cool of you. The, re the reason why we've, I've kind of gone through this is going through the PS Vita. Um, there's several things that you can do that you need to do to mod it, which will all be in the video, but essentially it's all done through a, a program called H Encore, which you download and run on your computer. You connect up the PS Vita onto USB. Uh, you run the H Encore program. You also copy across a program called Vita Deploy. That then puts up all the hacks and all that sort of stuff. Eventually you can get to what's called the homebrew browser on the homebrew browser. You can download, um, uh, so emulators. So on here, if you go to the bottom, yeah. So you've got TXK. I see that. Which is yep. Jeff Minter's awesome yeah, version that's of cool. Tempest to re reimagine Tempest 2000. We've got fake 08 which is a Pico 8. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> We've got Vice Vita, which is C64, and yeah. I've also populated yeah. some games on there for you on that. We've got UAE for all 2, which is an Amiga UAE port for the Vita. Um, then we've got Adrenaline. Now that is PSP. So that plays everything oh, wow. PSP and PS1. <laughs> okay and then there's there's also some games so what other what games did i put on your system eric so let's see here so i want to make sure i get everything in here so the vita home browser itls enso what is that like a browser 
No, that's if you um, move neck down from that one. So you've got, you should have TKX Faco 8. Yep, I do have Faco 8. I have Adrenaline. Yeah, Adrenaline, which is the PSP. And then what's after that one? Darius Burst CS. Yep. So that is a, that's a PS Vita shooter. And that is amazing. That's really good. And what, what's the other game you got on there? Uh, well, I mean, there's Vice, UAL, Fake 08, Darius Burst, um, Auto Plug-In. Okay, so maybe I didn't put it on there. I thought uh, uh, um, Hotline Miami. No, I, that's not on mine. Okay, but you can get that because that's a game yeah. you like, isn't it? Oh, I do. I love yep, uh, Hotline yep. Miami. It's my favorite. Yep, yeah, yep. So both there's two Hotline Miami games on there. Nice. Uh, so, Cody, what did I put on for you? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not seeing them right now. I'm seeing um, Enzo, Yamped Installer, Package so J, Auto Plugin 2. So if you go down <clears> another <throat> screen, or is that it? That's it. And oh, the, okay. right. the ones you've mentioned. So Okay. All right. No problem. So um, if you look at PKG, so yeah. PKGJ, yeah. Yeah, if you go into that one, sorry, I know this is all very... <laughs> This is visual for us and not not very visual for everyone else, but uh, just a very brief explanation. So PKGJ is where you download all of the games. Yeah. So that has all the Vita games. Oh, wow. PS1 games. Oh, wow. PSP games and uh, the PS Mini the PS Mini games, so the little ones. Um, So this, this thing is fully, fully loaded that's amazing incredible this thing is the for me right i'll tell you how much i paid for these each yeah so your your one eric um i paid 80 pounds for wow cody's i paid 70 pound for deal um mine i paid a little bit more but mine came with all of the stuff that i needed so very very briefly okay uh you've got two memory slots on the vita at the yeah. bottom, you've got the the main memory card, yeah, which is the Vita specific memory card. Now yep. those are expensive to buy at the moment. So hmm. you've got, okay. uh, I think, uh, Eric, I think you've got a four gig, and those are around about sort of like fifteen twenty pounds. Okay, um, Cody, in yours, you've got a sixteen gig which I think those are around about 35, 40 pounds hmm. just for the memory cards alone. Yeah. Um, and then in the top. So if you, if you turn your PSPs off, this is very important. So okay. hold the power button down and then go to power off. Oh, I hit a volume. Hold on. <laughs> How are you liking that OLED screen, Eric? Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. I'm going to hit power <laughs> off. Okay. Okay. And you've powered off as well, Cody? I am, yep. Yep. So if you flip the, the top memory port. Yep. Okay, so this is the this is where you normally put your cartridges. Yep, your your PS Vita games. Yep. If you flip that out and take it out, you've got an SD to Vita. Yeah. With an SD cool card. Okay, so this is the thing that gives you all of the extra expansion and makes it viable. So the SD to Vita essentially is a is an SD adapter, so you can use the cartridge port 
to then turn it into an extra storage area so you don't have to use those expensive Sony memory, memory cards. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So I think, uh, Eric, I think you've got a 64. Uh, Cody, you've got a 32. Yep. Um, I've got a 128 in mine. Um, but those SD to Vitas are really cheap. They're only like about three, four bucks. So they're not expensive. Wow. Um, and then you can use the cheaper memory cards. The only caveat is, is that you need to use memory cards like sand sand disc ultra okay. um the samsung evos don't work um, Good ones. with the particular <laughs> with the particular um uh file system mod called yamped um, but anyway i won't go into all the technical details that's all coming up on tea time with or will have been on tea will time have been, yeah exactly detail. but more more detail will be on the video that i'm going to release on youtube Dude, that's so there awesome. we go, guys. That's this is crazy, amazing, Tim. Dude, I love the logo that comes up on the beginning, man. The Pixel Guide logo. Yeah, but how that's about really those? Cool. How about those TI eighty three calculators I sent you guys? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we, we do need. We do need to get into those. We really do. Yeah, this is amazing, dude. Look. But, but this, uh, I've been absolutely aching to talk about this with you guys. <laughs> oh, beautiful, dude! I can't believe there's an app on here that you can just download all the Vita games. It's, it's yeah, incredible. that's amazing. And I mean, that's incredible. This, I mean, just go through if you when you get five minutes, just go through the homebrew browser. There's so much stuff on there. There's there's ports. There's new games on there. Um, one of the games that you covered was it um, Cato Roboto or something like that? Gato um, Roboto, yeah. Gato, yeah. That that's got a port on here as well. Really? Nice. Um, yeah, and Play there's, that, there's more. And you can do you can uh, also use RetroArch on here as well. So it opens up, you know, so many different systems all on the PS Vita. Um, and I know you've got your um, Ambernick. And yeah. How much was that? Oh man, it was uh, 130, I think. Okay, so so not, so not not too bad then. But I mean, you know, for for the money, you know, you've yeah. got lovely OLED screen, screen, you've got the analog the controllers, controllers. Yep, everything, everything. there. Um, no, this looks like, like I said, I don't have never had a Vita. Um, the only one I have is the PSP. This thing is like head and shoulders above that. Yeah, yeah. the OLED so, I mean, screen is gorgeous. Start out yeah, if you were going to start out on mobile gaming, then I, I can't think of anything better than the Vita at the moment. It's just incredible. Yeah, there they are. So they're Hotline Miami, Hotline Miami 2. They're all in here. Yep. That's Sweet. so cool. And do you need to be on, you just have to be on the internet to for yep. those to load up? Okay. I've already joined mine to my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> While we're sitting here. And yeah, then so this is the cable, huh? Yeah, there's the... Amazing. Yeah, there's, there's a power the, the power supplies there. All you need to do is just su supply one of the little figure eight uh, yep. power cables because obviously those are going to be yep. specific to your cable region. So yeah, it's all there. Beautiful. It's all ready to go and all all modded, ready to ready to go. Thanks a lot, Tim. This is amazing. Six You're good welcome. Vita games. <laughs> 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 Super cool. Really, really cool. Super okay, cool. Now, now I just want to download a bunch of games. <laughs> Should we skip catching up and just play some games? Off in the distance. 
Sweet. Because he's, so awesome. he's disappeared for the moment. Yeah, where did he go? Oh, well, okay. So the, the, the first catching up is Cody and is I got a new old red thing. Yeah. Curious as to what that Intriguing. is. Intriguing. So have you still, have you got, have you, you not got any mead left, Eric? Is it all gone? No, I have. He gave me a whole jug. I, I finished my cup. All right. But I'm not drinking more. So I'm going to, I'm ready for another beer, to be honest. But it's, I have a feeling it's going to taste like eucalyptus. All right. Sorry about that. Am I up? <laughs> you are yeah. up. Or, or um, Eric's ready for another beer. If, if I am you ready are. for another beer. All right. All right. Are you ready for one? Let's crack open do, a beer. Do, do a beer quickly. Yeah. All right. We're looking at uh, one that Aaron provided. Yes. Eric. Eric. Not oh, Aaron, right. Cool. Always. Check this out. Tim, can you read this one for us? Can you? I can't tell if you can see yeah, that or not. Yeah, that's a holy grail. Monty Python's holy grail. Yeah. It's a Monty <laughs> Python beer. <laughs> we are the knights, you say? Uh, Amber. Amber gold ale tempered over burning witches. Yeah. And if, you, if you cut yourself on the can, it will just be a flesh wound. That's right. <laughs> what a flesh wound. Actually, it says right on the top, it says your mother was a hamster and your father was not a elderberries. <laughs> He's got right. pointy teeth. Okay. Well, like one this of the one most- is called an amber gold ale. Most yep. quotable movies ever. Yep. Oh, man. That looks good, actually. It smells good, actually. Yeah. All right. Cheers, Eric. Cheers. And cheers, Aaron. Aaron, wherever you are. Wherever you are, buddy. We hope this beer is not going to be the dirt worst. (laughs) Dumb question. Is Aaron big into uh, Monty Python? Have I not caught on to that or what? Well, I think Aaron is big into most films and, and genres and that sort of thing. And he's, he's, uh, you know, he likes a lot of British stuff as well. So... What do you think, guys? That's a solid beer. Yeah, beer? It's, it's got a little sweetness to it for a golden ale, but um, but overall, it's it's really refreshing, and it has a rich taste to it. So it's woof-free, then. Black Sheep yeah. Brewery. Exactly. I don't know where that is. <laughs> Black Feet Brewery. I have no idea. I think it's in Canada. It's, it's in it's .co.uk, guys. Oh, wow. So it's a British beer. No, I think I, I, think I guess that. guess that makes sense with it being a Monty Python Holy Grail. This yeah, is the most I bizarre thing. Working. Okay, website is www.eurobrews.com, www.blacksheepbrewery.co.uk, brewed and canned by Black Sheep Brewery, Canada. Aha. In Canada, yep. But then it says imported exclusively. There you go by Eurobrew, Ashland, Massachusetts. So we're just—it's a worldwide beer. It's an international beer. It's a WWW beer. I need to move this Vita somewhere where it's not going to fall off. It's like, a, like a, there's nowhere on my desk to put this thing. <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, be- out of uh, beers, so okay. Holy Grail. How many? How many Holy Grails? It's beer, so it's good. Um, I'd say it's an okay as far as beers go. It's okay. Yeah, I enjoy it, but it's okay. Um, there's twelve nights of the round table. Twelve nights of the round table. I would give it. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. Yep, we're in sync there. We're good, solid beer. Simpatico. All right. So what's next here? I got a new old red thing, Cody. What I do did. you got? Uh, 
I've been wanting one of these for a while, and I finally said, you know what? I'm going to make it happen. And I got a pretty sweet deal again. I don't need to get in the deal part of it. What is that? Ooh, family oh, wow. computer disk system. Nice. That's the disk system. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes, I got I it. With- think, I've never seen a real one of those. Nor have I, but now I, now I own one. Um, so here it is. Have you used it? I have, but I'll tell you about it in a second here. Oops, I got it plugged in. That's gonna, I'm going to be off in the distance here for a second while I figure this out. Because Raid on Bungling Bay, one of the questions yeah. <laughs> actually came on the disk system, didn't it? Did it? I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Raid on Bungling Bay was a disk release. Let me get the... Uh... No, that's interesting. Not in not in North America, obviously, because the disk system didn't come out. Because I have the Radon Bungling Bay cartridge. Yep, yep. So it, yeah. it came out on cartridge and on on disk. Yep, on disk. So yeah, on the family computer, it came on disk. Look at that! It's so, like a transformer. So for those who don't know, the you know the NES in Japan, the original, which obviously now we know it came out in 1983 in Japan. Yeah, uh, 1993. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's called the Famicom or Family Computer, as it says right on here. And I already owned this. I already modded this. I talked about that on a previous show. So I've got composite out. Um, and so what I bought was the disk system, which in Japan they had the disk drive. Yep, and um, it allowed people to put in discs and there's a little uh it, it it's red it's maroon color just like the, the famicom it goes right on top and so it just kind of locks in there it looks super nice it's this tiny little compi- concise package even with the disc system underneath it's still smaller than an nes yeah um and then it comes with this adapter which is called the famicom disc system hvc 023 and that wow. plugs right right into the uh cartridge port Rolls Thusly. right up the tongue. It's the yeah, O2-3. Right. O-2-3. <laughs> plugs into the cartridge port up here, and yep. then that plugs into the disk system. Um, now what? And then, of course, the, the that allows, when you turn the, the Famicom on and have power to the disk system, it allows it to mm-hmm. load disks, which are two-sided, so you do have to yep. do some flipping. Yep. Uh, side A and side B. However... It did not come with a power for and a power adapter for the Famicom. The I'm sorry, the disc system itself. Disc system, yep. Um, and I didn't get any uh, discs with discs. it. But the reason I was so excited about this particular one, it came with the box, the actual box, which is yellow and gray for some reason. But mm-hmm. that'll look great on the shelf. And mm-hmm. then I didn't even know this existed, so I saw it in the box on the auction. And when I saw it, I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And I looked it up. Um, so this is no, not actually plugged into the disk system, but that is the cable it's supposed to plug in there. Yeah. And see this little white thing on the, on the front? Yeah. yeah. It's like a USB thing. So basically this little USB thing, this side you can plug into a computer, put all the games you want on this little white thing, plug it into here, and now the Famicom pulls everything right off of here rather than the disk system itself. Uh-huh. So basically, I have every Famicom Disk System game with English translations on this little white thing. So wow. you have a disc. So you have a discless disk system. Uh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird because it doesn't use the hardware I bought at all, except for the adapter. Um, and it's got a button on top. So when it asks for side two, you hit the button twice for B. Hit the button. Yeah. Once for A, twice for B. Simple as that. Works so like a charm. So do you know charm. how many games were unique to the disk disk system? There's a enough. Lot? There's enough. Yeah. Uh, there's enough. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, 
there's some cool versions of games you already know, like Excite Bike. They have Excite Bike Versus, so you can play two players on two tracks next to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Um, if you if you just go and look on like top ten disc system games, you'll see that's what I started with. And there's a number of games like Konami made and other companies that just never came out in America, and they're solid games that I'd never played. I bet. Um, there's one cool one I was playing. It's made by the same guy who made Tetris, that uh, was Alexei Pajanov, or yep. Russian guy. Um, and it's called Night Move, and it's a, just a whole game based on the one night piece on a chessboard, and as uh, it's timed, so Eric would hate it, and uh, you're trying to get the heart on the board by moving the thing, and every time you put you land on a piece of the board, it gets darker until eventually it disappears. It's It was pretty cool. However, I, after I got this, I'm like, I need to own the Some actual discs. discs. Yes. So I ordered these straight from eBay from a guy in Japan, which I think a lot of people are afraid to do because it sounds like it's really far away, but half the time they get here quicker than ones from America. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I just got ones that look cool because, ne- I mean, I can play all the games. I want to try to load them off of these. Uh, but if no one's seen these, they're super cool. They come on these nice little plastic hard cases. Yep. They've got a little spine card with some really cool-looking art on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one happens to be Super Load Runner, Eric. Oh, wow. And this is a game I don't even know what it I know nothing about it. It's called Alan. I got these for like eight, <laughs> Alan. eight, eight bucks <laughs> shipped each. So, But then the actual, uh, you open this up here. They come with the, uh, the sleeve, whatever this material is, that like paper that feels like it's plastic fiber paper. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. So it's like, like the five and a quarter inch disc sleeves. It's like the sleeves, exactly, but these things are like two and a half inch. Yep. Wow, those discs are are totally non-standard, right? Yeah, yeah. Very they're, much they're so. proprietary, yeah. They're not like a three and a half inch disc or five and a quarter or anything like that. They've got no so, slide to protect the disc itself inside. Yeah, so just, just for people listening, they're probably the closest thing that's akin to is the three inch disc uh, that was used by Amstrad on the CPC, CPC and the Spectrum Plus 3 and the PCW range of computers. And if you're American... Uh, and Einstein as well. And if you're American, you know none of those things. So None no. of those things, no. Things. <laughs> but, so imagine a, an Amstrad CPC disc, but at the bottom, there is embedded a huge Nintendo logo. Yeah. And each one of these letters is a different depth. <laughs> like the I and the N are almost so thin, it's almost see-through. Yeah. See that? I can see that, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the copy protection. I'm pretty sure that unless it's, you have those shapes in that depth, it won't play. Yeah. Um, you got side and, and A, I heard on a pod- side B. I heard on a podcast you could take discs into like stores and just get it written with, get a game written on it, then take it home, play it, and then take that same disc, take it back, and get another game written on it. All right. Cool. Yep. I believe they actually had kiosks. So you can just yeah, plug your game in, press the that, button. Which- Yep. Uh, which is crazy. Awesome. Which is crazy because for from what I hear, and I don't know for sure, um most of these games that are still have the game that it says on it for the most part. Yeah. You think you think yeah. you're it's a total crapshoot. So maybe these will be, I don't know, but Well, m- maybe they sold blank blank discs as well, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. Super Load Runner, I'm looking all over it. I see the Irem logo. Yeah. But when you look at the actual disc here, it says right on it, license from Brodebund. Brodebund, yep. Oh, yep. Which makes sense, because Loadrunner. So, anyways, so I guess been... IREM did a 
Irem did an arcade version, maybe. Well, Super Load Runner. Mm. So I've been having a blast with that. That is cool. I'm, I'm eager to hear what you end up doing with it, or, or the gems you find on the disc system. I've been, yeah. I've been playing there's a good a, amount of it. One that, yeah, there's one of those for sale not too far away from me that I've had my eye on, but I don't have one of the Famicoms. Um, but it's yeah. something I've been thinking about, so I'm, I might partake. Cool. Oh, taking look. notes. Cody's taking <laughs> notes. Yes, yes. <laughs> we now we got to find something to send Tim that's special. Well, yeah, he keeps adding stuff, so it keeps getting more specialer, Eric. I know. <laughs> okay. All right, Tim. So, is it me? It says all about stuff related to package opening. Yeah, we, which we've kind of done, really. Okay. I don't don't need to talk much more about that. I think we we're done with the Vita for now. Next one's Cody. Gotcha. More Monster Slayer. And more Far Cry 5. That's what I've been up to. I don't really need to see any more. How's Monster Slayer going? I actually did get to the point where I stopped. Okay. Um, not because I'm done, just I moved on to other things, but um, yeah. I still love it, and I, I still plan on going back and probably beating it with those other guys. But And in Far Cry 5, I'm almost two-thirds of the way through the game now. So. Are you still digging it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man, I love it. Far Cry 5 is, like I said, my son and I, it's our favorite Far Cry of them all. It may be one of our favorite games. It's one of my favorite games, for sure, on the Xbox. I played on That's Xbox. Great. And I uh, I got I got Cheeseburger, the, the big bear. Yeah. So my buddy is uh, just mauling people for me all the time. I love Cheeseburger. Yeah. I love and, just going into like a like a base and just letting him just r- r- yeah. roam free. And then just it says... Just clean up. And then you get extra points for doing a stealth mission because they never yep. saw you. They just saw Cheeseburger mauling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, th- I think I need to get in on this. Was it four you guys recommended that I start off on? No. Five. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's, it's the right. one that you can probably get at the store right now, but they're like on, you know, nineteen ninety nine at Walmart or whatever. Or you just download super, it. But They're super cheap. But I And I, I'm playing Far Cry 6 right now. That's it. And 6 is out and 5 is the one to go for, isn't it? Yeah. I can tell you 5 is better, to me, in my opinion, better than 6 and better than 4. So Okay. It's good. Far Cry 5. It's good. Good stuff. Eric, what did you just 8-bit do? Yep. <laughs> you 8-bit went there, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I 8-bit did it again. Yay! Um, 8-bit dough, I bought the Pro 2, and I bought this specifically because it... It it basically it has all the features like a PS2 controller or a PS1 controller. It has the the bumpers, it has triggers, it has everything. And I bought it specifically to play to plug into my Mister, so that I could play because the new PSX core, the new PlayStation core, is yeah. is wonderful. It works great. I've been playing awesome. Twisted Metal a lot, so I really bought this. But the funny thing is, I joined it to my Switch. And I love it on the Switch too. It, it's just as good as my um, my Pro controller. I mean, I still like the Pro controller a little bit more, but it works great there. It has two analog sticks, so I mean, it looks a lot like a PlayStation, you know, controller. Um, but great, great system. So there it is, eight bit Doe Pro Two. I bought, I got this color scheme, the little burgundy buttons, because I I yeah, did that. I dig. Yeah, it's kind of like the Game Boy looking color scheme. 
Yep, the other yeah. one has the colored buttons like the Super Nintendo, but I decided I, I have enough controllers like that, so I gra- grabbed this one. Um, but then I also, and this will, I can cover this. This is a future catching up, but I'll just say it now because I really bought that for the Mister. But I ended up just buying this little USB adapter for eight bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. And so it's USB, so it plugs into the Mister, but it also lets me use an actual PS One controller. Yeah, proper controller. I need to get one of those. And it works great because the analog sticks actually work well with this versus when I use this, they, the analog doesn't have the right, I guess, geometry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't yeah. feel quite right. So when I play Ape Escape, it doesn't feel right. Whereas with this one, it's like using like a, it, 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 the Mister is getting to the point now where it's almost like just exactly like a PS1. Like the yeah. games play perfectly. So yeah. anyway, eight bucks on Amazon. You can't go wrong with that. Um, that is that. Just so, as a very yeah. quick aside, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me, on the Vita, if you, I think on yours, Eric, if you go into Adrenaline, Twisted mm-hmm. Metal is already downloaded for you. Oh, thank <laughs> Perfect. you. Perfect. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> anyway, moving on. And <laughs> Tim's got I'm, a I'm D64 to, pickup? I was going to try to do another segue, yeah. <laughs> go for go it, on, Tim. Go on, go on. <laughs> uh, no, no, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to do something with the. What did you say that C sixty four, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't have it. I should have just let it go. So mercifully, this is a quick one. I haven't picked up another great big bundle of games that I need to rattle through. Uh, literally sure you rattle did. the cassettes on 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 microphone. Uh, this is one I've been trying to find for a little while. This is Frankie <laughs> goes to Hollywood. Oh wow. So, uh, this is the the relax game for the Commodore 64. So I've I can remember playing this with my friend Darren for hours and hours. Um, we 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 would just sit there playing this game. It's one of the most freakiest things. Um, if you're interested about it, um, recently uh, the Amigos did an R Sinclair on Frankie. Uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. They did. Yeah. Um, so I really recommend going to going and and listening to that one. Uh, or watching that one on the YouTubes. Uh, this comes with, uh, it's a kind of like a big box. It's got a nice colorful um, Frankie goes to Hollywood uh, cover on it. Um, you've got the, uh, the Frankie goes to Hollywood logo, the special logo on the back as well. Uh, but this also comes with two tapes. So you've got the actual game, um, but there's also, um, and this is one I've been looking for is one with the separate tape because often these tapes go disappear. Um, so this has actually got some original Frankie goes to Hollywood music on it. Um, so it's a version of relax um, oh, wow. that's, uh, yeah. that, that comes on tape. So you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. The music in the game is actually really good. It's really, really nice. This is a, a done by Denton designs. Um, they're the guys that are, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They did, um, shadow fire enigma force for beyond. Um, and then they've done, then they did a few games for ocean, but, uh, Denton designs a really cool development place company. Um, and yeah, so it's got some really nice music in there. Um, and it's all nicely packaged and it's just one I've just been trying to find for a while. Um, I was looking around and they were going for around about anywhere between 18 and 20 pounds, something like that. I think I paid four pounds in the end for this one. So very yep, cool. That's my very quick right. Commodore 64 pickup. I'm ready to make everyone mad at me. 
Okay. I always hear the term Frankie goes to Hollywood. Is that a movie? Is yeah. that a band? Is that a show? It's a band. That? It's a band. Yeah, yeah from the 80s. They did relax. Don't do it if you want to get to it. And, and welcome it, to the Pleasure Dome. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, yeah. And they made a game out of a... I mean, I've heard of games that made by bands, but... Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, probably better to listen to the Amigos because they explain it way better than I would. Um, but it's... It, part of their ethos was sort of like you know for the want of a better word make love not war and all this sort of stuff um so it's it was, it's, it's yeah. kind of all all about that you know peace and love and and, and bits and pieces so it's so, not a shooter they're, like video. they're kind of like- kind of like playing off the uh uh love and war are kind of like yin and yang the two opposites yeah, yeah. So it's, it kind of gets a bit deep in that respect, but yeah, go, go and watch the Amigos video. They, 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 they explain right. it a lot better than I can, <laughs> but yeah, Frankie goes to Hollywood is a very popular eighties band here in the UK and, and around the world. I've heard it before. 80s yeah. 80s music was a gift to humanity. And speaking of gifts, <laughs> well done, Eric. Eric that, might, that, was a, that was a good one. I think we, this year, I think we might have to do segue of the year when we talk about our favorites. At the end of, <laughs> so far, that might That's be good. there. I wanted that to be there. Um, yeah, so uh, a listener and a fellow podcaster of the yeah. show, friend of the show, uh, excuse me, Adam from, well, pr- previously Retro Gaming Bygones, but now he's started a new show uh, that he's uh, loving, which is, I guess, Commodore Chronicles. Yeah. Um, I've listened to all the Retro Gaming by- Bygones podcasts. I need to catch up on some Commodore Chronicles. But uh, he he's a listener of the show. Heard um, me talk about something that I've been wanting. He's like, uh, he, he Twittered, tweeted, Twittered, Twittered, Twitter? me, tweeted? and just said, I have this thing that's laying around. I'm not touching it. Do you want it? And so I threw him a few extra bucks. So he said, yeah, I'll pay for shipping, but I'm going to throw you a few extra bucks because I'm really appreciative what is it? Oh, Whoa. the power glove! Wow. <laughs> I look in good shape, too. I love nice. the glove. <laughs> Does so, it actually fit on your hand, though? <laughs> it, it, so, yeah, the power glove, which is what I'm holding here, the, the Nintendo power glove, which is an awful accessory for trying to play actual games with, apparently. I still haven't yeah. plugged it in. Um, came in two sizes, adult and kids, basically. So uh, let's try this live to tape here because I don't know how many how many times this has ever even been put on. It's got some nice uh, patina to it. Mmm. <laughs> funk in there. Tasty. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, what I plan on doing with this thing, oh, it fits. Like a oh, glove. Wait, like a like a glove. Like a glove. <laughs> oh man, I might just have to wear this to work. Yeah. <laughs> Do it while you work. It looks so good. I love the glove. Power glove. Um, but, but yeah, man, this thing's got so many buttons, and I don't even know what you do with it. But that is this awesome. Is sensor bar or whatever it is. I think it's microphonic. I need to do some research on this thing. I don't even know, but so I'm probably realistically. I mean, this thing's this thing is a, a, sh- a showpiece for me. So I'm probably going to yeah. shelf queen. Isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to get a couple pieces of, uh, of wood and make it so that I can just put this on a piece of wood and have it sit vertically, stand vertically and put it on my yeah. shelf. 
you got to yep. get a mannequin, like a mannequin, just cut the arm off and just like have the mannequin hand there with the power glove on it. That would Actually, you know what I want to do? I'll do I'll do exactly what you're talking about, except behind it. I need to put a picture from the movie with that kid who actually holds it going, I love the glove. Yeah. It'll just be like a, it'll be like a diorama of that, that scene in the movie. So, Adam, so thank you, mean, you so much. So you mean the wizard? The wizard, yes. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much. And uh, I, I, I uh, owe you catching up on uh, Commodore Chronicles, if nothing else. But uh, very That's much all. appreciate it. So cool. Nice one, Adam. Well done. So this next one is a, a quick one here, but uh, I've had a – Cody saw this the other day when he when he came over, but I used to have a couch in my game room, and really it was just wasted space because I never used it. I, I sat on a gaming – well, an office chair when I gamed. And um, so what I did is I disassembled the couch because I assembled it here in the room. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and, and it's upstairs. So like I had, I couldn't carry it downstairs. It was once assembled, it was too large. So I had to disassemble the couch and take it downstairs. And instead I put this, and I don't know if I, you can see this, but uh, let me try to swivel this thing here, Tim, but there's yeah, a table so you- there now. That's where the couch used to be. So is that um, an Ikea tabletop with legs? It is. It's exactly yep. what it is. That's exactly what I've got right next to me. <laughs> Excellent. And, so, and, and we had that already. I didn't have to buy that. Yeah. That was in a spare room of ours that nobody used either. So I took the couch part and it's still downstairs, like piled in a corner. We're trying to sell it, but but I haven't had any takers yet. No. Um, but I set up that that. Um, table and it, so now I have a lot more room and I have my Amiga 1200 finally set up all the time because that's a system I always wanted to just have out all the time because I BBS on it, I play games on it, I do everything. So I left that out, but now I have a lot more room to set computers out and leave them set up for a significant amount of time instead of this little tiny area. So yeah, that's just, that's that's my problem is I've just literally got like a. a a couple of feet square space here where I can set up all my stuff. And like this month I've been using the, the 1200, the 600, the, the Atari, the 64. So I've been like taking yep. it apart and putting it all back together again and all that sort of stuff. It's really annoying. So I, yeah. I, I keep meaning I need to reorganize in here. So I think I, I'm going to have to do it when the weather gets a bit better. Cause I need to move some stuff out and bits. So yeah. Excellent. So that it's just a little short, short new catching up item, but I plan on putting maybe another LCD on the wall over there. So I've got monitors everywhere, but the more monitors you have, the more systems you can have all set up at one time. So exactly. Yep. So anyway, that's, that's that. So you still have the, uh, the SX 64 set up. That's another monitor. Exactly. That's a little (laughs) tiny monitor. Yeah. That's your C64, you know, you can put the other one away. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Tim, uh, speaking of retro stuff, what's not retro? (laughs) Well, um, it was a kind of an impulse purchase. Um, I've been playing Gran Turismo 7 on the PS4. Now, I didn't even realize that it came out on the PS4. Um, I was just scrolling through Twitter the other day, and uh, Julian Rignall of Zap64 fame, 
yeah um tweeted out that he's been playing it on his ps5 um and was enjoying it and i kind of like replied to one of his tweets and he's and said well i'd love to play it but i can't justify the price just to fry just fry justify the price of a ps5 at the moment and he said well duh just go and buy it for the ps4 okay I, will. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know i wouldn't have known either but you know grand trismo has a grand uh lineage retro lineage i mean i i remember I would, that was that was why i bought the ps2 was for grand turismo the first one like yeah. that was like a system seller right yeah well well grand turismo came out on the playstation first didn't it? oh that's so, what i meant yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you mean the number uh, one selling game on the playstation playstation yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been playing that. It's, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, it is gobsmackingly beautiful. Um, the, the oh, it's just, just lovely. Just a great game. If you're into car racing, you've got a PS4. I would definitely recommend it. Give yourself some time to set the game up initially. Um, it comes on two discs, two Blu-ray discs. So you've oh, got wow, a data disc. Yeah, you've got a data disc. Probably a bit different, might be different on the PS5. I'm not sure. Um, but you've got a data disc, so you've got to install that data first. So it's got to copy everything from the disc over onto the PS4. So you need to make sure you've got about, I don't know, 35, 36 gig of space left on your PS4. Goodness. Exactly. Um, and then when you've spent about an hour copying that across, you then put in the PlayStation, the, the game disc, and then it's about another... 20 minutes to download about another 3.4 gig for the latest version of the game so it doesn't even play the game off of the disc as such the disc is just sort of like oh i've purchased it yeah Um, yeah. but yeah the game game itself i got gran turismo sport on the ps4 when that came out and part of me bought that one for the the, uh the Uh, vr the vr element of it um and I, I played it a bit on the VR side of things and it was all right. Um, but I, I don't know why I just didn't click with sport. Um, but immediately I've clicked with, with GT seven. So it just, just feels, I know it's probably sounds silly, but it just feels more like a traditional uh, game to me than, than sport did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been going through uh, doing some of the licenses um, and my normal obsessiveness is that I've got to get gold on everything. I can't, yep. Yep. <laughs> I, can't, Same here. I can't, I can't just sit there with a the silver. It's, it just really bugs me. I'm, I'm probably going to go bronze on some of the later ones, maybe, but the first sort of like two licenses, at least I've got to get gold on. What's the, um, uh, what's the coolest car you got so far? Uh, Lotus Elise. No, I've not got to any of the Lotuses yet. Um, I think the the best car I've had so far was the Mini Cooper S, a 1969 in racing green. Really? But to win the Cooper S, you've really got to mod the Cooper S up the wazoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that thing is tuned tuned out, and it's it's just a brilliant, fun car to drive. Cool. Um, I'm just trying to think what else I've got. Um, a 2015 Subaru Forester. Uh, no, no, like I've not got one of those. I've got um, <laughs> the Mitsubishi GTO. That's a good one. Oh yeah. Um, so that that's again, I've I've tuned that one a bit, but yeah, you can you can just go into the nth degree with this game. But yes, Gran Turismo yep. Seven on the PS4. If you're interested in that sort of thing and you haven't got one yet, I would recommend picking that up. Cool. When I you, do have when a you, PS4. 
Yeah, when you told me that it was available on the PS4, I'm like, shoot, now I'm going to have to get a whole racing rig all over again. I'm getting that game, and I'm going to get a racing rig. I'm, I have the room for it. Now I have to. I just need to... Uh, I, I always wanted to have the racing rig set up all the time, and it wasn't possible in the previous house. So, yep, I'm going to have to do it now. I'm going to have to... You've definitely got the room for that now. Make it working. Because you know those... Uh, those Gran Turismo games are always good. You know they're like they're like evergreens. Speaking of Evercades, uh, 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 um, the Evercade versus shipped. We talked about the news, and I've been playing mine. Eric's been playing his, right, Eric? That I hit what? Ugh, I can't even talk. Uh, I got mead. Look what I got. <laughs> Evercade versus, just like Cody and Tim. Yeah, club. <laughs> And I've been enjoying the crap out of this. I've played this infinitely more than the handheld already, just because yeah, I, I love the exactly, big screen and the yeah. and the controllers and everything about it. The other yeah. night, I popped in Xeno Crisis, and it's almost like this thing was made for Xeno Crisis. Like I played that for about an hour, like trying to beat, get to the end of it. It's it's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I'll say Xeno Crisis is still my favorite cart because it's a. I just I want whatever. I'm like I'm I'm broken, but I want one or two games on a cartridge that just focus on those games. Like, that's yep. awesome to me. But I would have to say my second favorite cartridge, um, Eric, you and I talked about this one at your house. You, you weren't a huge fan of um, Mega Cat Studios Collection 2. Right. Um, I thought there's some pretty good games on there. This is not my second favorite cartridge, by the way. Um, yeah. Arcagus Revolution on there will not run. What? I can't get it to run on mine. It just I've played it on it. I've played it on mine and it runs fine. Oh, you mean on the on the versus? On the versus. I haven't tried it on the versus. I've tried it only on the handheld. It literally yeah, there, it, there might be some games that are not licensed to use on the versus because the one of the um what was it, the Atari collections or something like no, that. No, it they, it was the Namco collection because Namco, it was hand that's it. Yeah. 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 So maybe that might be a uh, either it's an issue with the cartridge or it might be with that particular license. Hmm. I'm going to try it again. It literally, um, it looks like a guru meditation error. It actually like tweaks out and starts ROM dumping and doing weird things. It's not on purpose. Oh, right. Dude, I'm going to try, I'll, I'll try mine. I'm going to try mine tomorrow try and see it. if it does the same thing over here. And now it might have a, might have something to do with the fact I had these two cartridges in at once. Cause you play, put two cartridges in at once and all the games yep. show up on the menu for both cartridges. That's right. Plus, yep. plus some extras sometime if you put the right combination in, uh, this indie heroes collection one is my second favorite cartridge. Uh, so that's what I want to get that, but it's not available on Amazon. So I don't know where to get it. And then I also want to get the, um, the one collection that has cannon fodder and sensible soccer on it. What is that one? Um, Bitmap Brothers, right? Bitmap Brothers. I want to get that one. Yeah, that's um, that's a disappointment. Is it? Yeah, I covered that on my on my tea time with Tim that I did, and yep, I most remember of that. those are Master System versions. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. They they missed they missed a trick with that. That in, again, this is my humble opinion of it. <laughs> I'll probably still get it because I do like Cannon Fodder is one of my favorite games, so I'm, I still might get it. Still probably want to pick that up. Yeah. But this this collection right here is Indie Heroes Collection 1. 14 games included, and these are for the most part, if not, uh, not yeah, not all of them, but for the most part modern NES homebrew that they put all in one cart. And this is yeah. home, and the homebrew is uh, I mean, it's it's kitschy and fun, but it all has great gameplay. All of it. 
Yeah. Um, and then there's one here, Aguna, which is like an, uh, an action RPG that's more like a 16-bit NES or SNES kind of game. Um, anyways, I spent hours on this cartridge already and uh, and loving it. And what I love too is I can put hours into a game, platform or whatever, do a uh, you know a save, uh, uh, basically a snapshot, back out, go play something else, and come right back to where I left off later. Yeah. So modern sensibilities on a cartridge, old school games, love it. Cool. 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 So this one's going to be real quick. Um, so I've been I've been having to take my daughter to volleyball practice a lot and traveling a lot, and I have a case for my Nintendo Switch, but it, I have to it has to have the Joy Cons on it to fit in the case. But I have those Ori split pads, those bigger, beefier, you know, controllers that go on the side. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I, I went to a um, this little gaming store with my son the other day. And we go in there and we're looking around at games like D&D games and board games and stuff. And I see a guy sit down at the gaming stuff and he has like the Ori split pads. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I love those things. I started talking to him about playing on the Switch. And he, I was like, yeah, but I, I saw that he didn't have a case with it. And I was like, man, I wish there was a case that had it. And he's like, oh, you can get them on Amazon for pretty cheap. And I was like, what? And I went and looked them up. Here it is. Like it'll fit my switch with the Ori big Ori pads in it, and it fits perfectly in there. Velcro thing. It was like twenty bucks. So nice. just a little, little wider to fit those big uh, handles, huh? Correct. So it's a little wider, but it's recessed perfectly for that. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention though. Cody, you have one yeah. more package to open. I I do. I put it over here. You're right. Do you have it. Yes, so wow. that is that is <laughs> my birthday present to Cody. No, no, late, of course, late. I think but, I know uh, what this is. <laughs> I hope you. I hope you guys know what it is. I honestly don't, but I'm not putting. It's the mead. <laughs> I'm not putting things together at the moment. Yeah, that mead was strong and uh, Some, something that uh, Cody was trying to find, but you were able to find, Eric. Is that right? Well, let's see. I, I I think so. No, I don't know. I don't think no? so. Okay, maybe not then. This is different. Same but different. <laughs> I see it. Oh, okay. cool. Thank you, Eric. I know exactly what it is, but I'll let you describe it in case I'm there's wrong. A story, it. There's quite a story behind it. Hold, so hold on. Let me see if Tim can. Yep. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. So, so it is a CF card. Yep. So it is a CF card, and it is for the CD32, and... So when I got my CD32 with the add-on, uh, the, the Terrible Fire add-on, I got this image, and I, I, I fully admit, I bought it on eBay and had all the games on it, and it has a really nice menuing system on it with that plays music in the background. It's very polished, very nice. And um, when I got it, I was like, I always make backups of every card I have. So like my Saturn, my Dreamcast. Um, yep, so I, um, I made... I was going to make a backup of it and no software I had that did backups would actually make a backup of that. And then eventually I was like, well, when Cody started to get into that CD 32 stuff, I, um, I, I was going to make just a copy of mine and give it to him. I'm just going to just admit it now, but I couldn't do it. So I, Cody, I actually went and found the same seller that sold me mine. Oh really? <laughs> and he didn't have any more on sale on, on eBay. And so I just emailed him and I was like, dude, can, can you hook me up with another one? And he's like, sure. And he even gave me a discount, slight, slight discount, nothing crazy, but 
And then he sent it to me and that's the one you got. And then I will tell you this. I hate it when I can't solve an IT problem. Yeah. So I worked and worked and finally I found a Linux way to actually make a backup of the card. So I do have a backup of the card now. now It was after I bought yours for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm stoked. So this will, yeah, basically this will get me. <clears throat> the the sweet little GUI with all the games on it that Eric has. So when I turn on my CD32, it just pops up with all the games, and I just scroll to the one I want, hit enter, and play the game. That's right. And so you can it's all joystick controlled, too. So you don't need the mouse connected. You don't need anything like that. You just boot it up, menu, pick a game you want to play, and go. Unless Cody shows up, because as you know even more yeah. so now, when I touch an Amiga product, <laughs> things go wrong. Eric and I tried to play some the other day. We tried to play Chaos Engine and it kept barfing, even though I've played it a million times on my CD32. Played a couple games and they kept barfing. Yeah, it's true. But, but um, I think you'll have good luck. Every time I've played single player on mine, it, everything has worked fine. So Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. I hope you enjoy it. I, I think it is the best collection. It is the best way to play the CD32. Speaking and of CD32, I, 30. 32, it's not, I got my adapter for my CD32 to PlayStation controller that just came in, still in the package. Haven't tried it yet, so. Oh, cool. Now I'm all set up. Now I'm all set up to, to play two-button games on my CD32. So, stoked. Well, there's more buttons on the CD32. you got a lot of buttons. That's true. More than That's two. true. You've got four, five, six. How six many buttons. games use that, money? Quite a few of the real CD32 games do. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Love it. So am I next um, here? Yeah, I, I was thinking that might be the genesis of me playing a bunch of Amiga games, Eric. <laughs> Speaking of Genesis. <laughs> or Mega Drive. So this is the f- first time I think I've ever gotten an email, read it, and was like, hey, maybe I should buy what's in this email. And <laughs> it is a controller from Retro Fighters, a modern controller called the Genesis Saturn um, Brawler Gen controller. And it was a $29.99 pre-order. Should be getting it towards the end of March. And it works on both the Genesis, the Saturn, and PC. So it has a USB adapter as well. Nice. So um, it's got a, you know, once I realized it kind of was a big multitasker, I always looked, I always appreciate those because they take up less space in your game area. So anyway, you should check it out. Go to Retro Fighters and check out Brawler Gen. There it is, um, right there on our screen now. Yep, there it is. And so oh, yeah, the color, one. the color that I got was the um, kind of the tan, tannish gray. I don't hmm. see any of those pictures up there, but man, yeah, it it looks really. Sh- there it is, right there to the left, the blue one. It's it's kind of gray beigeish, and but it has blue buttons. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Well, that's a good looking. Yeah, it makes it look a little unique. Cool. Yeah. So I pre-ordered that. It should be in at the end of March. Very cool. And those guys, I only have one of their their controllers. You have both, right, Eric? Uh, I do. Up to this yeah. point, and that'll be the... Well, then they made the GameCube one here, too. Yep. So I guess they're up to four now. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they knocking make, it out of the park. I know I have stuff. the N64 one that works really well. Yeah, I love the N64 one. And I want to get the Dreamcast one. I want to get it in blue to match my Dreamcast that I grew up with. 
So. I have the Dreamcast one, and it is brilliant. It feels so much better than the other one. I mean, <laughs> cool, yeah, nice, cool. All right, Tim, tell me, tell us what's going on here. Yeah, very quick one from me. Um, just a heads up for everyone: there'll be two new videos coming through soon. So the first one I've mentioned here is the PS Vita: uh, how to mod your PS Vita once you've got one, or if you've got one and haven't modded it yet. Um, and also they'll probably be getting up the one about swag as well. Uh, cause I'm still a little behind on that, mostly because of the Vita modding. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to need to watch that modding video. So I, I'm going to, cause I can't, I don't understand what half of those icons do on yeah, that no, on I, the, I, Vita. So I want to yeah, learn how to use it. Yeah, I want to yeah, learn we'll, how to, we'll, we'll, take, we'll, yeah. we'll go through it another time offline as well. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's great, great, good stuff. Awesome. So, um, yeah, you got so, two, two new videos coming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it took, took me more than two takes to get some of the stuff on video as well. Interesting, because I think It Takes Two is a great game that my daughter and I have been playing together. Oh, cool. Uh, have you guys heard of It Takes Two? I've nope. never heard of it before, no. So this thing won all kinds of, like, game of the years and all kinds of stuff. Um I guess by modern standards for a triple-A kind of... Not triple-A, but yeah, A-type game. You can call it a budget title. Uh, $29.99, I think it came out at that price. Um, you guys have to play this game with your daughters. Or or or, or sons, but... Uh, I know your daughter's age are probably more appropriate. Anyways, this game is lovely. Um, it is a game... It's a... How do you describe it? What platforms is on, Cody? Yeah. Uh, I'm playing on P- PS4. I'm pretty sure it's on... Well, you know what? Let me, yeah, let me share my screen and actually do one of those things so you guys can help me describe it with to the people. Um, there you go. It takes two. It takes two. And every time I do, I have to go to make a thing go right. Uh, it takes two to make it out of so it is on, yeah, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, blah, 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 and PC. PC, yep. Okay, cool. I'd, I'd probably get it on PS4, to be honest. Yeah, so I I mean, here's the first 22 minutes. We'll just kind of hop in here. But basically, it's a game you have to play couch co-op two-player. That's the only way to play it. Oh, wow. Um, And it starts out that... It's you know kind of a dark but realistic topic, which is that a husband and wife and their daughter. Um, it's interesting because the wife has a British accent, and the husband's just some American bum. But um, <laughs> uh, some wanker. Yeah, and um, so anyways, the, the opening scene is they pull up, or the hus- the wife pulls up after a long day at work, and then the husband's there, and um, basically they they decide to get a divorce, and you know the daughter is sad, and then this magic book basically turns them into these little dolls that the daughter made of them that handmade these two dolls of them. So you become wow. these dolls and you basically have to go through all these, um, you know, the, your miniature dolls. Here we go. Here's some gameplay. So like you start by going through her room and having to just collect certain things and plug things in and basically do puzzles that you have to do together. You can't do it without both people doing things together. And the, it's really cool because the whole concept is you're these two people who are now dolls. And so when you die, you magically pop back up and it's not a big deal because you're dolls. Um, 
And as you're going through the game, you start realizing that the things you're doing together are bringing you closer together and basically uh, kind of preventing the divorce. Again, it sounds kind of dark, but it's super fun. Um, there's boss battles, like where you, you battle a vacuum cleaner. Um, it's just super creative. I don't know how to explain uh, all the parts. There's, there's, there's a section where um, the wife has a like a claw, like a hammer, claw hammer. And then the, uh, the husband has a nail gun. And so you have to like shoot nails into the wall for her to use the clamor to hang onto the nails to get over like different, uh, gaps and things like that. I mean, ultimately it's a 3d platformer ultimately. Uh, but throughout the game, I'd say most of the game is it's split screen, uh, not top and bottom, but left and right. And you're trying to do things together to solve puzzles and beat bad guys and action. And it's really fun. It's just really yeah, fun. The graphics look really good. I mean, I, I mean, it's a very stylistic graphics and they look really cool. I'm trying to find one of the boss battles because they were really cool. But so my daughter, uh, Claire and I, so she's my 10 year old, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we've been playing this about, uh, an hour every night and, uh, We've probably done it six or seven times so far. Yeah. And we're probably two-thirds of the way through the game. So it's probably, probably 12 hours altogether. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just super cool, and it's kind of brought us together. It's a game that we, you know, rather than me beating her at something or her beating me at something, the other person getting frustrated, uh, it's, you know, it's cooperative, and it's we're high-fiving and we're legitimately, like, getting competitive against the game together. It's super cool. <laughs> That is cool. It looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's and it's really creative, and uh, gameplay changes all the time. There'll be sections where you actually aren't even trying to complete the game. You just are in this huge, basically, uh, playroom, if you will, and you're just hopping through there doing fun things together just because it's fun. Um, there's a part where you get to, like, a, a, a miniature uh, amusement park, and so I'm, like, just hopping on the Ferris wheel, and she's, like pressing buttons that make the thing go faster and spinning me all over the place. And then, yeah, uh, there's some sleds and we're trying to do jumps and, you know, just, <laughs> we're just having a great time playing around in it. So that's awesome. This might be my modern game of the year this year. So far it absolutely is. That's cool. Excellent. And I assume it's probably like a pretty inexpensive game. Yeah. twenty nine ninety nine is the full price for it. So yeah. It goes on sale sometimes. I think I got it on sale for like eighteen bucks or something, seventeen ninety nine. That's awesome. Digital only, yeah. Digital only, cool. Speaking of uh, digital only, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Technically, yeah. I am. I am right. Technically, yeah. So, coming off the heels of Rogue sixty four, which I love, and we all love, and we got the cool packaging. There is a new roguelike for the ZX Spectrum called Tiny Dungeons. Mm-hmm. And I did purchase it and download it. Uh, it is a digital only one right now. And it's great too. It's another great rogue style game. Um, the graphics and, and so the, by the way, it's only for one twenty eight K spectrum. Uh, very, very good music uh, and soundtrack. Um, the the little uh, sprites, I guess you'd call them, on the ZX Spectrum are very small, so it's got a very uh, 
dense kind of dungeons that you go through, but mm -hmm. it is a roguelike and I got to level eight. Um, it was a breeze getting through there. And then at level eight it started to get really hard. And I think I made it to level nine and then I finally died. Uh, but if you like the roguelike games, you should give tiny dungeons a try. It is really, really a neat ZX spectrum game. So, um, yeah, since we're all in the mood for rogues, you guys should try that out for sure. Definitely. For rogues. Let me undo my screen sharing here. Sorry about that. Boop, boop. Speaking of going rogue. Going rogue. What's going on, Cody? All right, I'll be quick on this one. I mentioned this uh, in our news last month, and I went ahead and bought it just like I said it would. So I got myself a copy of this Vectrix game mail plane. Oh, nice. That packaging oh, right. yeah, great. That's, um uses the light pen. Yep, and it comes with, comes the, light with the light pen. pen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, comes with the light pen. So they got better. my reproduction light pen, which is made exactly like the original. First time ever using the light pen, and it's uh, it's kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. But I'm yeah. sure it works just as well as the original. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, it plugs into port two of the my Vectrix, which is a crazy amazing machine that we got to get one over to Tim somehow. Find a way to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working my butt off to do that. To do that. The game mail plane here. Uh, you definitely have to read the entire manual. It's like a simulator kind of a thing. But once you understand all the rules, it's like impossible to lose, and so the game is boring. But oh. <laughs> that's, that's my review. That's it. <laughs> it was a game back made back in the 80s, and the light pen uh, portion of what you do in here um, only makes it harder because you can do the same stuff on the keyboard. So just use, not the keyboard, but the... Um, the the joy board. Joy yeah. pad, yeah. yeah. Um, you do have to select your routes with the pen on the map and then load the plane with the cargo into the plane with, with the pen even though that's just literally just a step for, for you to do something with yeah. the pen. Yeah, just to yeah. do something with the pen. Just some actions, yep. Yeah. But then you go to this overworld map and have to go to different airports and land and stuff, and uh, you do that. It works so much better. You can do it with the pen, but it works so much better with the controller. Uh, nonetheless, looks good on the shelf. Great packaging, great everything. And uh, realistically, if you wanted the pen anyways, this is only an extra 35 bucks in addition to the pen, so I don't regret anything. And then because I was already going to pay 20 bucks shipping to ship this thing, uh, I went ahead and got myself all the plastic protective covers so I can package up all my... Yeah. And what's funny is I don't... Here's the truth about it. My boxes are, uh, you know, in C condition, right? They're not completely ratty, but they're not in great condition by any means. But the reason I like the boxes, and you, if you guys have ever done this, you'll know this, if you put a game that's in pretty crappy condition in a nice plastic box, it feels special and new, even though it's not. Yeah. It makes them <laughs> shiny. <laughs> and so that's what I'm doing. So I bought one for each. These are two fifty from um, uh, VectrixMulti.com, same place where I got the light pen and the mail plane game. So I'm going to put all my games in, in plastic. Nice. Uh, one thing I also want to talk about is completely separate. I got something from Nintendo. I don't know if you guys saw me put this on Twitter. Uh, something I've been thinking about for a while because I never knew a ton about it. You get, and you guys may know the answer because you probably saw that already. But you guys remember where Nintendo started? What did they first start making back in the 1800s? Like uh, playing game cards. cards. Yeah, yeah, like playing cards. Playing cards, yeah. Playing cards. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they're on Amazon now. I mean, it's... All right. 
So there it is. That is a deck of Nintendo playing cards. It says Nintendo right on it. But the funny thing about it, I always knew they were playing cards, but they're not the playing cards we know. They're not full size. And so I went uh, down a rabbit hole and learned about it. They're called Hanafuna cards. And first of all, they come in a super nice little box. They're tiny cards, like you said, Eric. And then they come in a separate box. You have to peel it open. It says Nintendo on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hanafuna in Japanese, I guess, means flower cards. Yeah. And I'll tell you a little bit more. About, I just have to tell you to quickly because I went down a rabbit hole. I found it so interesting. So are these remade by a third party or are they genuine Nintendo? Nintendo still makes them. They've been making them since the 1800s. So in Japan, people still buy these cards. Uh-huh. So the backs, the backs on these are you can either get red or black. I got black. There's nothing on the back. Um, apparently, they make three different types of deck. They make uh, the standard one. They make one called the Tengu deck, which is like a mid-quality one. Then they make a Diplomat deck, which is high quality, and that's like fourteen bucks, twenty-one bucks, twenty-five bucks difference. Uh, these things are tiny, as you can tell. They are thick. I mean, these are like. Yeah, they're, they're you can't card. you can't bend yeah. them. Mm-hmm. They're almost uh, they almost feel like plastic, but they're paper. And then, I mean, if you didn't know this was a deck of cards, you would have no idea what you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, the they're just like weird pictures. They are, yeah. But there's actually pa- like pair like they, none of them actually match. They're all unique. Um, and I so guess you can't play Snap then. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, and so I did a quick bit of research. I'm sorry I keep talking about it, but I think it's so cool. So basically, the reason they have these cards is the standard playing cards when gambling was illegal in Japan, you know, like 1400s, they were outlawed. So people started making decks that didn't look like anything, and they made right. them tiny so that when someone walked in, you can hide the whole thing in one hand. Um, and then they started making games with these decks with random cards, and every time a new deck would happen, a few years later, they'd catch on, they'd outlaw that deck. And it kind of kept going. And I guess the last deck was the flower deck, this flower card deck, when they finally legalized it again. And now this is the one they still make for now the last like four or five hundred years. Nintendo's been making them, and they're like the premier people that make these. I mean, Nintendo is the brand that makes these uh, primarily. So I'm going to learn how to play it. There's a game uh, that most, the most common game, at least in America, I think in in Japan as well, though, is called Koi Koi. And it's a matching game, and it's about betting. It's kind of like poker, where it's luck, but how you bet is really where the strategy is. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, sounds like a fun rabbit hole to go down, right? So, the last one I got, I talked a little bit about in the news. So, I don't, I won't go on too long. But there is a new, the, the well, it's not new, but the PlayStation One Core on Mister is working really, really well now. Mm-hmm. And one thing that it really has that's c- pretty cool is I've never seen it on a PlayStation 1 type system is save states. So they have full save states, memory cards. They ha- even have a cheating, the cheats system. So like you can download these full database of cheats and, and apply them to the games in the PlayStation. Cool. But uh, like I said, I bought that adapter. So I've been playing the PlayStation games a lot. Einhander, I was playing that a lot. Um you know, Twisted Metal 2, Street Fighter 2, uh, just a uh, just a bunch of games, and I'm loving it. So that's it. So if you if you have a Mister, get that PS Core downloaded and start playing it. When I was in college, I found a copy of Einhander loose, just a loose copy at a flea market for six bucks. 
Oh, man. That's a good find. That's a pretty good deal. (laughs) All right, let's get going. What's next? Oh, that was the end of Catching Up. That's the end of Catching Up. Let's do six good games. Six good games. And to describe what we're doing this time on Six Good Games, I'm going to turn to you, Tim. What are we talking about on Six Good Games this episode? I don't know. I haven't done anything for Six Good Games. <laughs> Only oh, joking! Lies! lies. <laughs> Don't pull our leg. Uh, yeah, this month we are doing Atari 8-bit games. I love the Atari 8-bit. How about you guys? I think it's a fantastic little system. I'm learning more and more about it. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I never was super into it, but uh, some of the games that because I, I did see some of the games on your guys' list as well as my own. And man, I mean, uh, even the sound, uh, what I was kind of impressed about was the sound on some of these games. Really, really nice chipset in there for the sound on the Ataris. I mean, it's no Sid chip, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I have to laugh because um, I won't give anything away yet because, Tim, I'll let you go first with your first game. Thanks. Um, but... Every time I we do these and I have to pull up footage for some of the games, I'm always mm-hmm. like, like, look at the first one here for this first game for Tim. 32 views. So we're going to be the, 30, the 33rd view, and this has been up for five years. Yeah. So I'm glad well, we can help these people get their views up. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've actually, I actually did a video of me playing this game. Uh, is this your video? Share... No, 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 no. Five no, years ago, not my video. No, <laughs> um, I've actually I did a did a video of this game, and it's actually probably one of the best games I've actually in terms of gameplay. I actually yeah? did, and it's like a seventeen minute video of me just playing one game. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, just 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 go for it. So uh, this first game I have chosen, um, and. And I do have a little clip here of some of the sounds or music in here. So let me play that real quick. Well, let's let's hear what the game is. Let's hear the next game. So I thought that sounded pretty cool. I like that song. Yeah. So uh, this is Turbo Snail uh, for the Atari 8-bit. This was a Polish-developed game uh, by Chris3D and, I'll try this, Bukanu, I think it was, um, and they go under the brand of Antic Shop, and this was created in 2015. Okay, fairly new. Just a little bit of backstory on this. When I was going through all the 8-bit stuff, the Atari 8-bit stuff, I kind of like went through a lot of the regular games, so River Raid, Joust, and many, many other classic sort of like 8-bit stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, well, this has all been done before. So on the FujiNet that uh, you kindly got me from Brewing Academy, it came with the SD card, and this had a section called Homebrew on it. So I thought, well, let's have a quick look in that. 
and man i'm glad i looked in that homebrew section because there is a ton of brilliant games on homebrew some which we've kind of covered before i think like time pilot and a couple of others like that um but i i just had a blast just going through some of these games and just trying some of this homebrew stuff so one of the ones that i tried just as a complete random was turbo snail (laughs) and this is an absolute gem of a game i've got to say i am just totally addicted to this game anyway let's let's go through um the 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 background of this game so uh turbo snail is a game where you control a snail around a big field essentially um it's very uh for uh, for the listeners it's not uh the me- the best graphical game it's not a sound fest it's not a uh a, 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 you know a uh, graphical fest or anything like that it's not got millions of colors like you think of on the on most atari st games if anything it probably looks a bit more like a sort of like a spectrum game or a game boy game or something like that it's very kind of monochromatic um very simple but really cute little um snail sprite uh so anyway so you go around a big field which essentially is just like a black screen so don't think it's like grass waving in the wind or anything like that <laughs> the idea is to move around the field and collect fruit Sounds simple. Each level has a 30 second timer, Eric, (laughs) in which to complete the level. And you must collect a set amount of fruits on each level before the timer runs out. If you don't collect enough fruit, game over. So in other words, if you don't get enough in your goal for that particular level. What is different about this is you have to your score or amount of fruit and items shot per level. Then you also have your EXP or experience. This is your overall score for each level combined. Uh, This is the aim of the game to get high EXP scores. So it sounds simple, but along the way, there are other items to collect and avoid. Snail can collect extra time. So which is like a little time symbol that appears on the on the screen at random times. This adds five seconds to your time, giving you more chance to collect more fruit and meet the target score for for that particular level. As the timer ticks down, more and more bushes and rocks appear on the level to get in your way. You also need to avoid collecting uh, bushes as they subtract from your fruit score on that level snail can also shoot so after collecting fruit it gains one extra shot so you can then shoot items out of the way like obviously bushes so it avoids you collecting it and small stones for more experience points you also need to avoid the skulls as when you collect one of those um, it takes away exp and score Um, So it takes away from your overall score and your level score. Uh, You can also collect your friend, the duck. Uh, He appears (laughs) on the screen. And if you collect duck, he will add EXP points. (laughs) And importantly, he removes obstacles away from the screen. Okay. So um, he clears some of the stones and other bits and pieces. Keyword, not the duck, but duck. Duck. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the game itself is very simple graphically as i've said um, has some nice little title music which eric has kindly provided and a few spot sound effects control is done through a joystick in port one um, so if you look at the game screen um, the area is divided up where you've got like the main play field um, and then you've got a hud Uh, So going from top to bottom, you've got the Turbo Snail logo. You've got the level, which you're currently on. Um, You've got your EXP, which is your total points. You've got your current level score. And then you've also got goal. So that basically means your goal is you've got to collect at least six points before the timer runs out to complete that level. 
Uh, you've got the best score, which is your uh, kind of like highest overall score uh, combined on that particular game. Uh, you've got ammo down the bottom, which is what uh, the pellets that uh, snail can shoot. And then you've got the dreaded timer at the bottom. Um, so the gameplay is you move the snail around collecting fruits. Um, it's, it's a very, very simple concept. But when I first played it, I didn't really get it because uh, at the end of each level you kind of like it puts up this uh summary of what what you've done on that level so what you've collected uh good and bad um so you know a kind of like a breakdown of what you collected how many fruit how many timers you collected how many um times you collected uh duck, duck. um uh, I don't know really what more to say about this game other than it's simple. Uh, it can be a little bit confusing to start off with. So I've, I've obviously gone through it um, to kind of like explain the system, but there's a very simplistic instruction screen on there that explains everything quite nicely, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, and then once I'd read that and sort of like played a couple of times, I was hooked. This is just an absolutely brilliant game. What I would really, really love is if anyone who's listening who is a <laughs> coder, so like Roy or anyone like that, if they fancy converting this across to the 64 or Spectrum, I think this would be brilliant. Um, it's probably worked really well on the Spectrum and and there's a high-res mode on the 64 because the graphics are kind of like in that yeah. kind of high-res um, character driven i mean it might even do well on the vic 20 as well um yeah. but i would love to see a version of this ported across onto some other formats because i think it's only on the atari 8 bit um that's my that's my choice turbo snail have you guys looked at this one since uh, since i put it on the notes or is you just this is the first time seeing it it's my first time first yeah, time i've never seen, seen this it. game before this yeah. looks like a high score extravaganza it yes. i think i think we're yeah. gonna need to, is so are those things that look like skulls? Or is that duck? No, the the skulls are the skulls. Duck is, duck? duck is he just collected ducks, so you can't you can't see him on the screen at the moment. Uh, there he is. That he's just thing? appeared at the top at the middle. Yeah, by the timer. That's the, the duck. timer. That's a duck. Yes, that's not yeah. a duck. That is duck. That's duck. Yep. <laughs> so duck. So duck looks like a skull, and the skulls look like a duck. Understood. <laughs> Quack. I the skulls look like a light bulb. Okay. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That, this game looks super fun. Gameplay over yeah. everything, you know. It's it is not much to look yeah. at, but yeah, it's pure gameplay. This one, it's it, I I just got so addicted to this, and like I say, I I just I was going to do a quick screen, you know, quick video for the, for the game. It ended up like eighteen minute game, and it was like one of my highest scores that I got. So, <laughs> but yeah, wow. this is per this is a perfect kind of like high score competition game. Yeah, we one. need to start this thing up. This looks like yeah. fun. It is it's very really cool. Good. Yeah. Good pick. Okay. Great. Eric, you're next. I'm next. We're going up, huh? We are. All right. So I picked the first one I picked was Yump with an exclamation point at the end. Uh, Let me play a little ditty from that because, frankly, the game is wrapped around excellent music. So let me play some of that. Here we go. Give me some texture. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to give you some texture real quick here. Here we go. Let me crank up the thing here. So imagine you're in a tube. I'm in a tube. 
and you're you're a bouncing ball inside of a tube and you are trying to get through the level and and it's kind of a psychedelic with neon colors and basically you when you you can bounce on different things like pads that send your ball higher or there are there are certain squares within the tube that you can fall through and the ball bounces to a cool techno what I think a boat on the Amigos would call Euro trash <laughs> yeah. um, would be like Euro trash music. Um, but that's yump for you. That's yump. So you're in this three dimensional tube, you're a bouncing ball. The ball bounces to the, the rhythm of the music and you have to hit certain squares to do and complete certain jumps within the tube to get to the end of the level. There's not much more to the game, but the game is almost like a like a technical demo. I mean, this thing I, when you when you play it, it's hard to believe that this is running on an eight bit system. Um, have you guys played this? Yes. <clears throat> yep, yeah, I've, I've played it on the on the eight bit uh, just before Christmas. Actually, when was it? Just before or just after when Gary came over? Okay. Um, we we uh, hooked up the 8-bit and we were going through some games and we found Yump on there. And yeah, we, we had a, a few games on that and both agreed it was really, really good and we were going to look at it again. So this was one that I was thinking of choosing, uh, but you got in there first. <laughs> and at the end of it, there's 21 levels. At the end of every level is a code. So you have a password. So you don't have to start all over again when you die. Um, and you can doubt this one was a competitor in the, what is it, like the... ABBUC competition, I think. Yeah. Um, but you can you can download this for free at yump.atari.pl. Very so, impressive looking, very impressive looking game. But it's a game that I can't get the handle of. Oh, I, you don't I, like these games, huh? I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying I'm no good at it. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> not very good at it either. Therefore, but I it's hard for me to enjoy when I'm that bad at something. It's almost so. worth it's worth playing even if you don't like this game just for a the music and b the technical Agreed, yeah. prowess of the graphics. I mean, this is yeah. it is a tour de force of graphics. So yeah, yeah. It's, also, should, it's also come out on the Amiga and on the C sixty four. I think <clears> that is correct. Yes, there is a C sixty four version and Amiga. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is this is a good one. Awesome. Well done. Next one, Cody. You want me to play well, I, a little ditty, or you want to announce it first? Yeah, I also picked a new a new game. So I think we're three for three on modern games. Yump was modern, right? That wasn't. That's yeah. right. Two thousand seven. It was based on a game that was on the Atari eight bits back in the day, but it's um, I think the syndrical yeah. thing and a few other changes. Yes, Trail Trailblazer is it? Trailblazer. Yep, yep, that's the one. So the game I picked is a g- type of game that was really popular for a little bit. Uh, and then kind of died off, but there is a Atari XL or XE version of the game, and uh, it's super cool to see a tower defense game on a classic 8-bit Atari, and that game is called Castle Defender, Eric. Let's hear it. Awesome. Let's, let's take a listen. Excellent. That was great music. 
Yeah, they're, a lot of these games we've been listening to are trying to re- reproduce that Sid uh, arpeggio sound there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I, man, yeah. there was a period of time when I was so into castle defense games, so I didn't even know this was on. There was something like this on the Atari. So, go ahead. I'm very interested. I just in found out too, and and so basically, a tower defense game, just like any good tower defense game, has a um, path. You know, the path starts at one end of the screen, does a few turns, goes out the other end of the screen. In this case, it starts from, like, this bog, swamp, and the path goes through this village to a castle at the end. And your goal is to keep all the enemies that are following this path in a steady stream from getting to the castle. And the way you do that is, um, in this particular version of a tower defense game, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different points that you could place structures Oh, 11, looks like. Um, and the structures can be low-level castle or, or like, um, uh, I don't know what you call them, defensing, defensible structures. I don't know. It's not a castle. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's a name for it, guys. Ah. I want to say, like, balustrade. What, what's the name of that? Anyways, it's a defensible, defensive structure that you can attack from anyways you can put those there you can build them up to certain levels they cost gold you start with a certain amount of gold um and as creatures walk by the path if they're close enough to that structure it'll start shooting at them um as you kill things you gain more gold which allow you to either build more different um units or upgrade existing units so that their damage is higher and you're trying to be strategic about where you put them um, how much damage you put in which areas, how close to put the castles or the uh, the defensive places together to make sure that they're firing at the right enemies at the right time to take them out rather than focusing on the wrong enemies and allowing them to get through without getting too much damage. And, uh, you know, the enemies come in waves. So the goal is to kill a bunch of enemies, make gold, upgrade all your buildings. And, uh, you know, each level, I think, has three waves here now we're on level two and now the path changed so um it's a kind of a very basic typical tower defense game but it's on the atari um the color kind of changes are it's fairly monotone there's only like you know two colors on the actual the majority of the play field the gooey has some pink down here there's a couple of white and blue off to the side for some of the lettering but uh it's simple the music's pretty good uh it is very difficult that is the one thing I will say about it. Most tower defense games, the first few levels are a cakewalk and you kind of learn it as you go. On this game, level one is medium. Level two is already very, very hard. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. um, but it's it's fun. And I want to figure out what to do and how to do it and how to get better at it. And um, It looks great. It's I think tower- it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Lots of different enemy types and weapons and upgrades and everything shoved in a little Atari 800, so... Cool. I love the style of game, and I love that it's a, a kind of a demake, if you will, even though it's not a demake of an existing game to my notice. But yeah. Castle Defender. Awesome. That is awesome. Cool. So cool. Tim is up, and then Tim also has got to gotta go, right? Yeah, I've, I've really got to get going. <laughs> Let so- us know. Let us know this one. Um, I can forego the, the, the sound effects for this one. Okay. So we'll this is... So this is a horizontal scroller. Again, it's a homebrew. 
um, and this is called Callisto. Um, it is a very nice, slick, fast-paced shooter. Um, it's written uh, by a, a chap called uh, Jason Kellick. Well, that's real um, nice. I'll, I'll explain a little bit about that significance in a second. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, kind of like, a, I, I guess the best way to describe it, it looks like a kind of like a typical Commodore 64 shooter. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like uh, those sort of like... Uh, muddy or muted colors which is unusual for the atari 8-bit um but i think it's probably draws on the influence that these guys did a lot more sort of like commodore 64 coding um and did this for a an 8-bit gaming competition um but it is super super hard i have to say that um which is unusual for me to pick a game like this but i just immediately when i started playing this i was i was really drawn to it because it's a great shooter for the atari 8-bit um and partly because of the one of the guys that wrote it as well um but yeah it's it's really nice um you sort of just working your way through you shoot uh shooting the aliens one thing that w- is with the enemies is they normally take at least two shots to kill them so mm. i would recommend um an auto fire joystick for this game because yeah. your your thumb will get sore very very quickly <laughs> um one of the one of the mechanics big mechanics in the game is you've got these like uh laser barriers um that are on most levels uh so it kind of like interferes with your timing uh the way that you can um sort of like get your time in and movements on the screen not only have you got to move to avoid the aliens and uh, all the enemies and and shoot them but you've also got to watch out for the for the laser barriers as well and time your way through those as well as zapping the aliens um it kind of goes through uh different levels it's obviously a, a, a you know getting a, a high score as well um so yeah this is a nice nice horizontal shooter for the 8-bit um going quickly on to my significance for um jason um he's a, a game designer and a member of a, a demo crew called cosine now jason also used to write um the homebrew section in retro gamer magazine Um, unfortunately jason fell victim to covid um, in 2021 um he was um one of the first one of the first people in the uk to contract it um and uh, had a very long time with covid he had it for over a year um and eventually it unfortunately it got him in 2021 um but i just wanted to just just include this as well as kind of a little nod and salute to jason um, and just just to say thank you for all the stuff that he did on the scene and for his articles in retro gamer um so yeah um i would recommend checking out callisto this game looks awesome yeah it looks like great level design and it looks like when you die it's your own fault even though it's difficult like it's not cheap yeah and the other thing about it is that it took a couple of minutes to work out is that when you lose a life you you flash and then you carry on straight away there's no going back to the start point or anything like that it's it's an immediate continue so there's no annoyance in that side of things um so yeah you can you kind of like you can build up a bit more of a rhythm in the game that way i'm downloading this one this looks brilliant cool awesome okay so at this point guys i'm gonna have to head off i'm afraid Yep. yep we appreciate right, it man, and- well, man thanks for the thanks for the box man of all the goodies 
no problem. I feel spoiled. You are spoiled. This is nuts. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the Vita and we'll, we'll, we'll talk offline about all that. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. Sorry, I've got to dive out a bit early, uh, but we've overrun a bit on this one. So I've, I've got to get to work. Cheerio. Right on, right okay. on Tim. Thanks a lot, thanks, guys. Bye. How, Eric, how about we play him out with some Callisto music? Sure. Let's play the Callisto music here. Here we go. Nice. Man, all these modern games have such great music in them. Right? <laughs> yeah, they do. All right, we've got uh, Eric's second, or Eric's last game, at least. Yep, my last game here is one called The Last Squadron, and we move from a horizontal shoot 'em up to a vertical one. Ooh, nice. So um, let me play a little bit of a ditty from that one. So hang on here. <laughs> So that is the intro music to The Last Squadron. The Last Squadron is a 2020 game. So this is a new one that was also in that ABBUC ABBUC competition. Um, The original one came out with four levels, but after the competition, they came out with an enhanced version, as a lot of these games do. And this one, the enhanced version has eight levels. Um, And there are some additional things. I'm sorry I didn't write these down. I don't know if it's enemy types or something like that, but there are additions to this, but one, I mean, this is just a typical vertical shooter, but the thing is, is that on the Atari, I I have a hard time finding like on the C64 because of like, uh, you know, um, shoot them up construction set and, yeah. <laughs> and other things like there's a ton of shooters, but on the Atari, that's not really the case. There's not that many great shooters, um, but this one really is a really great shooter with great sound effects, great gameplay, nice little enemy formations that you're used to. If you've played any game kind of like Xevious or something like that, um, there's ground targets. There's, there's, you know, targets that, that fly in formations that you can get. Um, it's just a nice little vertical shoot em up. Yeah. It's a, it looks like world war two kind of era. Um, yep. the, the music seems to fit the theme pretty well and, uh, lots going on, lots of different lots of variety and everything. So a lot of stuff on the screen at a time, this did come out with a physical copy. And if you go on Atari age, there's a whole thread about it and you can still, I think, still get a physical copy and have it delivered to you in a box That'd be with cool. a cartridge and everything. This looks great. This looks great. Yep. Nice pick. So I think I'm the only one with my last pick that picked an original game and not a modern. That's right. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> um, so, but I'm also not clever at all because our last three picks are now all shooters. This is another shoot 'em up. But it's got an interesting twist to it. So it does. Um, so let me tell you this: there's no there's no music in this game. So I did record some of the sound effects for for you. So take a listen to this. This is oh, really quick. This is past. Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, the, I just want to name the game before we listen to music. Yeah. Or Pathfinder by Activision. Nice. So here we go. Kind of has that classic, uh, classic Atari sound to it. It's very like twenty six hundred sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Go ahead and explain this because this this is this does have some unique twist to it. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a. I mean, ultimately the gameplay is a shooter, but basically Pathfinder is a game where you are uh, kind of this four-legged ro- robot vehicle thing. Yeah, um, and it's all based on radiation. So the first thing that shows up is you're gonna pick up your loadout. Um, there's some special uh, equipment you can use, and that equipment, depending on what you pick, I think there's like four different pieces. Um, can limit the amount of radiation or that's a shield from enemy weapon fire. Um, there's a few other things you can do. And then it takes you to a map and the map is going to show you a bunch of crazy kind of colors. And those colors basically are going to show you where you're trying to get to. Um, and the amount of radiation in kind of in that area, um, that you're going to be going through. So, you know, red means a lot of radiation. Yellow means a medium amount. Green means very little. So you pick your path, and then when you pick your path, you are basically put on a small little shmup stage where uh, enemies are attacking you. Now, the enemies can they kind of move up and down sometimes because um, there's kind of two levels to this game. There's the, the, the ground, um, and then you can jump. So to shoot the enemies that are, going, that are up higher, you jump and shoot. Or if they're on the ground, you can shoot them straight up. Um, and there's actually pro- I, there's a lot more to this game than I can remember at this point because uh, it's actually fairly in depth. Um, but while you're going through these areas, depending on the amount of radiation in the area, your radiation meter at the bottom will rise. And uh, there's certain things you can collect or shoot to lower that radiation. Um, there's again, if you go to a different part of the map that has a lower radiation level, that'll rise at a slower rate. And of course, you get points for shooting bad guys. Um, and your ultimate goal, uh, I'm trying to remember the ultimate goal right now. I, I had to download the manual to learn how to play this game because you definitely need to read up on it. Uh, but basically, you're trying to collect uh, all these things um, in the overworld map. And uh, in order to do that, you need to, to figure out where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. And then, of course, play the individual levels on each stage uh, through the radiation survive. If your radiation meter maxes out, you die. Or if you get shot by an enemy, of course, you die as well. And it's a very cool, in-depth, kind of almost almost like a, uh action-adventure shooter. <laughs> yeah. I really like the sprite. I mean, it's simple, the, your, your main character sprite, but it almost looks like a spider. And the animation, like, like it's almost like a walker. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yep. it's, it's, it's actually really good. I've played this before. I've played it a long time ago. It takes um, some getting used to because you're not sure if you're doing it right or what you're playing is right. And but watch some gameplay footage and read the manual, and you realize, okay, yeah, 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 this makes sense. If you press forward, the, the, the weird thing about the controls, if you press forward, uh, you jump. But if you press forward and then hold forward, you'll start going faster. And if you pull back, you'll start going slower through the level. Gotcha. But it doesn't change the fact that you have to press forward at least quickly to jump. So yeah. You always speed up a little bit each time you jump. <laughs> and you can jump over low walls. Um, you can jump over enemies on the ground if you want to. 
Obviously, you want to shoot things. And then there's these little bouncing crystals that kind of float. And if you shoot those, it actually, those are, are in theory, what's creating the radiation in that area. So if you shoot those crystals, it'll lower the amount of radiation in that area. Um, But for such a simple style of gameplay, there's a lot kind of going on. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's pretty cool. It's a cool game. I would say the only downfall would be that super, although it's nostalgic, but the super archaic kind of fart noise Atari sounds that we just heard. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of like those, so... That's the nostalgia talking. I, I agree. It, it, I enjoy it for that reason, but it's not good. You can't pretend it's good. <laughs> no, no. Compared to what, like, the, the sounds and stuff we just listened to those other games. Yeah. That's it. Cool. That's and a that, good one. Yeah. And that's an episode of Pixel Guide N. Yeah. We made it through. Tim almost we made, made it through. It through. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Poor Tim. You drank some mead. I drank some meat, and now it's time to go to bed and wake up in a few hours. One eight, one oh six a.m. in the morning. It is one oh six a.m. in the morning on a Thursday night. So. And after enjoying opening all these cool new things we get to play with, we can't touch them tonight. We have to dream about them. It's like the day after Christmas. That's right. So that's what I cool. plan on doing. Eric, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, and uh, I appreciate you hanging in there through some technical difficulties, but I think it all kind of worked out. It worked out. I learned something about tethering my phone, and uh, maybe we'll be able to avoid these in the future, but I think it, I think we're, we're good. We're good, except for Dynamite Ducks this month. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> that we're good. good. <laughs> and I, all right, yeah. Cool. All right, man. So, <laughs> you ready? Yes. Oh, I'm <laughs> ready. Dangerous. It's Dave alone. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D U H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O D D B A 1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>